get it going. It's time to get up. Over to the left point, tries a long wrist shot, he scores! Jake Vertanen from the line, fools Jacob Markstrom. Puck looked like it changed direction on its way to the net. These guys are here to break it all down. I think, obviously, we got to get more pucks and bias to the net and start getting in goalies' faces and bearing down when we get our chances. I mean, there's a lot of games still left to be played, and obviously things we got to clean up, but um, we got to start bearing our, our chances. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Don't panic. People don't panic. This is the starting lineup with Team Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. You can try to. It is Tuesday, January 19th. What's going on? This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. James Sabolski here. Perry Silkowski there. Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass. The Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business. 650-650. It's been busy the last nine hours. And welcome your thoughts and submissions over the course of the morning. At Sportsnet 650 is where you can find us on Twitter. And the good news, Perry, is that the Canucks are done with Alberta, at least for now, after what was an overwhelmingly miserable four-game start to the season been telling people even though i'm from there my family is from there in the last couple of months avoid alberta don't go to alberta anybody and they did you know what else is the good news james is you want a sense of normalcy in our world and checking the nhl standings in the middle of january is usually normal and i did it last night going really but I just wanted to check because there's going to be no easy outs. And as Chris Wall said in his sports, when you pick up two of a possible eight, that's not a road trip that anyone goes, yeah, that was really successful. So there's an awful lot of time to turn it around. But boy, food for thought as this team comes back and gets set to play three against arguably the hottest team out of the gate in the Montreal Canadiens. Man, didn't see that coming last night. Well, you know, you thought that the Canucks would be better going into the Flames after getting blanked on Saturday night and looked like a relatively passive affair. You had JT Miller back to help provide a little bit of that spark. And you know what? For about 20 minutes, everything seemed to be all right. As the Canucks put forward maybe their best 20 minutes collectively of the brief season that we have seen so far. And then the second period started. And it turned into a horror movie the next 20 minutes as the Canucks were absolutely wiped out into that second period. They were their own worst enemies. They turned the puck over. They took countless penalties and were outshot by the end of the second period. The team was outshot 20-3. 20 shots for Calgary, 3 shots for Vancouver, in that second period, and that 20 minutes, as good as Vancouver's was in the first, was an absolute nightmare for Vancouver, and Calgary skates off for the back-to-back victories last night. Special teams are absolutely atrocious right now. Um, Vancouver Canucks can't get anything done other than move the puck well when they have the extra man, and they haven't been able to kill off penalties. There's no way you can be as good as you want, but unless you're incredible five-on-five, if you're going to the box that much, uh, you're not you're not winning hockey games. Trying to find the positives, and that's what we'll do this morning. I will be positive, Perry. Boy, they were good in that first 20 minutes. It was kind of like a reminder. Oh, that's why you played as much hockey in the summer as you did. 
everybody's coming at him. Goddet, like five shots in that first period. They're getting it from whoever's jumping on the ice. They had opportunities. Jacob Markstrom making the saves when he wants. So I think, and, and Travis Green spoke about it in the postgame. You know, this team should be frustrated at themselves because you know what level you can play at. You did it, but for 20 minutes, and you've got nothing forward. So is there concern? Yeah, it's four games in. Um, but at least they showed that they have another level to get to that they've been able to stay at consistently last year. But man, you got to be smarter. And, and I just wonder if this team and some of their stars, including number 40, just thought it might be easier. Living inside that bubble, having the success, waking up, walking underneath, going the rake, win-win. Everybody's falling in love with you. And it's, hey, hey, I'm not going to have to work at this anymore. And it's going to fall into place. Because right now, a awful lot of guys are squeezing their stick including the one guy who we thought would be a constant. No concern about Petey. Maybe the heart for Petey. Right now, he is trying to find it, and it showed on the penalties that he took. Well, that is the subject of our Sportsnet 650 Twitter poll question right now. Are you concerned or worried about the play of Elias Pedersen? Yes, I am concerned. No, he'll bounce back. Right now, 71% of you say, nope, he'll bounce back. Only 30% of you think that there's a concern right now. And I'm going to say this, Pear, and, and I'm going to get into this more at 6.30 as well, as Seaball says, but Elias Pettersson is the catalyst for this team offensively. He is the franchise player. He is the meal ticket. He is the guy that we have talked about for the better part of the last couple of years looking at uh, you know, uh, an NHL max deal, so to speak. Right? The economics may have changed that landscape, but – you know, the conversation has been around the idea of Pedersen getting somewhere in the neighborhood of 9 to $11 million, as been suggested by a lot of people close Not to the Vancouver Canucks. Well, look, let's see how this season plays out in the 56 games. But right now, through the first four games, you know, that's not happening at this point in time. And look, Elias Pedersen looks like a shell of the player that we've all fallen in love with, you know, over the last two years. Elias Pettersson has one assist. Elias Pettersson has more penalties than he has points through the first four games of the season. You know, the next game in Montreal against Montreal tomorrow night at Rogers Arena will essentially, by the end of the game, will essentially represent 10% of the season. Now, is it a huge portion of the season? No. But it's a sample size. It's a tenth of the year. And... Hopefully, Pedersen finds a way to break on through against a more sizable and uh, a humming along Montreal Canadiens team right now. But Pedersen looks disengaged. He's not creating. Maybe his best shot that we've seen through the first four games pair was a shot that went wide of the net late in the game on the man advantage last night. But he took penalties that were foolish. He looked dejected in the box. I liked what he had to say after the game. He's got to be better, and he knows it. And at the same time, this franchise, based on what we're seeing here through these first four games and what we saw in the playoffs last year, this hockey team's going to go as far as Elias Pettersson's going to take them. And right now, through four games, he's not taking them very far. Yeah, I, I, I would challenge you on saying he's disengaged. To me, that's someone who's not interested in, in the care meter's not very high. I think the care meter on this kid is always as high as you can get. 
Uh, but he's running on a treadmill. But where do he's you see it? He's just not going anywhere. Where do you right? see it, Pear? I, I just like look. I, I love Petey too, but where where is that? Where is that guy? Yeah, but no, but I I, I don't I don't think the lack of of trying is there. You know his best play yesterday. He came flying back to block a shot in the in the first period. Just go, wow, great play. But that's not what you have him there. He's you know you're not getting him to block shots and kill penalties. Disengaged to me just seem you know lack of a better word. There are a lot of nights. Jake Vertanen seems disengaged. Petey, to me, is always ready to go. It's just, I think right now, the NHL has slowly figured him out. And it's, hey, you know what? Well, And they've done it, James, with two opponents who aren't the most physical of teams. More so, Calgary more physical than Edmonton. But now they're going to see some big defensemen in the Montreal Canadiens that are just going to rub them out of the way. So what do star players do? You figure out a different way to get it done. I think right now, it's almost like a golfer changing his swing. It's going to take some time. I think Petey's realizing the stuff he did, not necessarily working right now. Happy to have JT Miller back to help out the cause, but there has to be another way. And star players figure out another way. And I think he's in the middle of that right now. Is there panic? No. Is there concern? I think he's concerned. He spoke of it last night. Travis Green spoke. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to pull him aside and I'll talk to him before we play. You know what I do like about the Montreal matchup is the one time we saw the fight in this kid. If you remember going back to his rookie year, Looked like he was actually going to drop the gloves of Colton Yemi because, you know, drafted the same time. Oh, I'm the, I'm the Finn or the Swede. We don't like each other. And now Montreal comes flying in and Petey goes, okay, maybe, maybe I, I got to get back to doing, doing, doing something different or taking control of the games. I'm not worried about him because a star player is going to be in a funk. If it doesn't happen in the regular season, you get more worried about it. But if it, if it happens to start the season, you go, oh my God, we don't, we don't have any good to look at. He'll be okay, but this is the first time in his pro career he's feeling some heat. Well, and, and look, you know, if you want to look at a comparable, look at Nathan McKinnon after his rookie season, right? Like Nathan McKinnon had a couple of seasons where you kind of went, hmm, well, you know, what's going on here? Now, Nathan McKinnon was 19, 20, 21, but Nathan McKinnon, after a, a banner rookie season, slumped to 38 points in a 64-game year. And, you know, the following year it was better, but there was still kind of, well, maybe the ceiling for this kid isn't as high as we initially thought. And it wasn't until really his fifth season in the NHL when he was 22 that it was like, okay, there's the Nate dog that we all know and talk about now in the same conversation as Connor McDavid, right? And Sidney Crosby, you know, who's the best player in Halifax? Like, it was a dip for a couple of years with Nathan McKinnon. And maybe there's a possibility we might see this with Pedersen where, you know, like you said, you have to adjust. And the great players do find a way to adjust. And I, and maybe this is a telling sign for Elias Pedersen in the long term, right, that he's going to have to figure out and adjust and adapt. You know, I think it's a valid point that you bring up. But through these first four games, whether the league has figured him out simply or he's just not ready to go, maybe he's nursing an injury, or it's just right between the ears right now from a mental standpoint that he's scuffling for a kid that never seemed to lack confidence. Maybe right now he is lacking confidence. But whatever the case, Elias Pettersson does not look like the alien. He does not look like the guy that we fell in love with from the moment he stepped onto the ice for the first time as a Vancouver Canuck pair. It's just not and there through the first four games. And when your star player is slumping, uh, everybody else has to pull the weight, 
right? So you need Bo Horvat to look like he did in the bubble. Uh, you need Brock Besser to do something. You know, the, the, the confidence or maybe the thought that Brock Besser goes, PD needs a goal. We saw two breakaways yesterday, one for each team, where it's two on nothing and they pass on both. Um, yeah, this, this team as a whole right now, you go back to 1970 was the last time that they started a season, played four games and didn't get a power play goal. Their inaugural season in the NHL where they all could have been, wow, I can't believe we're playing this new team. We're in Vancouver. Yeah. And they couldn't score a power play goal. So you're going a long ways back. Now they moved the puck grade on the power play, still couldn't score. Give Jacob Markstrom from credit for that. But this is a team. What do kids do when kids are on a roll? It's because they are so cocky and so confident. So this is a team still full of kids. And when that swagger leaves right now, it, it kind of brings them back down to earth. And you know, here's I go back to that strange word that caught me by surprise in the offseason that Chris Higgins used. We had to prove to the rest of the NHL that we're not a fraud. And right now, I'm thinking other opponents are going, all right, man, you guys were in a bubble. A lot of us didn't want to be there. You guys were kids like you're midgets at a tournament, and you were really good. So how are you now when you're jumping on planes and coming to cities? Let's prove you're not a fraud. And I think right now the Canucks are going, are you that bubble team? Or are you that team that was really battling to get into the playoffs last year in the regular season when everything stopped? Uh, 650, 650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. We should also say get your submissions in for Canucks and a song. We'll hit the music coming up at the bottom of the hour. But what song summed up what you saw from the Canucks last night on the ice? I like where I'm at right now. I like what I got from my track, and I'll share it with you coming up at the bottom of the hour. Look, a lot of this conversation here in the first 15 minutes of the show, we've centered around Elias Pettersson, but it's not just Petey right now, right? I mean, collectively, like, Petey doesn't kill penalties, and that special teams unit right now, when it comes to the penalty killing, is absolutely a dog's breakfast. <laughs> you know, when you give up seven goals on 21 power play opportunities, that is awful. And the power play, his misfiring, look, Petey's a part of that, and special team's not so special. The one thing that I don't think has been a problem right now for this team pair was a t- was a one area that I think there was a huge question mark going into the season, and that's goaltending. You know, through the first four nope. games, I thought Thatcher Demko did everything he could possible to keep the Canucks in it when the Flames were just coming in waves in that second period and the Canucks did nothing to help their goaltender out in the sense that they just kept taking penalty after penalty after penalty in that second period and eventually the Flames broke on through. But man, Demko was just on his heels. 20 shots he faced in the second period alone. The Canucks were outshot 28-11 in the final 40 minutes of the game. And I thought Thatcher Demko looked fine last night. I thought, you know, he was right there matching Jacob Marks from save for save and, you know, was the better goaltender, obviously, in the first 20 minutes. But, you know, you just can't leave your goaltender out to dry. He gave up, what, he faced almost 50 shots in Demko's debut this season. And you look at Holpe, I thought Holpe looked good in the opener, and I thought Holpe looked pretty good against Calgary on Saturday night. They just, you know, again, they're just not getting a lot of help in front. That was, you know, they plugged that hole very well. Like, Jacob Markstrom was very good again last night. Let's give him credit for the win. I think if they have a chance to have a conversation – Quite pleased with seeing his old buddies, and we'll catch up with him again eight more times. No, goaltending's not bad. They got key saves when they wanted to this entire trip. Like, I can't think of a softy where you go, you, you need that one back. That was never the case. It's what's in front of them. It, it's scoring. If you're not getting it from, from the Pedersen line, where is it coming from? You know, the secondary scoring 
is not going to be there. Jake gets a nice one uh, yesterday, a little bit of a break in front of the net. That's what's going to work for them. But they need everybody. Adam Gaudette was great in the first period, but couldn't score. So the concern is, and we can't go, well, it's, it's the adjustment of all the new players. Give Nate Schmidt a little bit of time to get adjusted. But that's it. I mean, the adjustment that we've been talking about in the Canadian division is how will the Habs work out? So you're putting out your team. It, it's your guys, right? It, with the exception of of, Ham, uh, of Hamannuk and of, um, of of Schmidt, really everything's the same up front. Those four lines when you got JT Miller back, all right, that's what you want. That's what we want to roll. And it's not there. Your penalty killers are the same. And you're not getting it done. So I, I think that's where the coaching staff goes, well, no, guys, it's going to take time. Maybe they thought automatically the level that they were watching this team play at in August was going to be the level they were going to watch in January. And it's just going to take a while to get there. It was probably very comfortable for this coaching staff to walk down the tunnel after 20 minutes. I go, okay, well, that took a while, but at least we're back. And then to completely see it fall apart. And, and uh, it's mentally first, like whether you're not, like Tyler Myers talked about it, stupid penalties. Uh, like stupid penalty, Petey, stupid penalty, stupid penalty. So uh, wrap your head around it right now. That's the problem with the Canucks. Wrap your head around how difficult this is going to be and how you were successful. Haven't found that in the first four games. Well, Tyler Myers with a dumb penalty himself, right? Punching uh, Matthew. Yeah, and he said as much. He got baited, yeah, got baited into it. Um, you know, bad giveaway by Adam Gaudet in that second period as Milan Lucic forces the turnover at the Calgary line. They go back the other way. It's in the back of the net behind Thatcher Demko. You know, I think when you look defensively, Ole Olevi, less than eight minutes on the ice. Like, if you're going to dress a defenseman, I mean, I think, you know, at this point in time, like Ole Olevi clearly not ready for prime time. If you're going to dress a defenseman and play him less than eight minutes in the regular season, like, what's the point, right? You know, look in another direction than pair. Then dress Jack Rathbone or give Jordy Ben a shot. But if you're only going to dress a guy for eight minutes, like, what's the point? Right, I mean Travis well, Hamonix having a hard time. Fight. Like it's been a long time since he's played, right? And Travis Hamonix trying to get used to, I think, the pace of the NHL, and I think he's feeling it right now. I mean that's a big change of the penalty kill right now. And I mean Travis Hamonix was supposed to be a big part of that penalty kill, and guess what? He is. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's just not going well. Everybody's going to have a, a point in their schedule where they're going to struggle and win one of four. It's just when it comes out of the gate and you can't go out, it's, it's a lot easier to, to win one and four if you've already had a couple of nice streaks going and go, okay, well, everything evens out of the course of the season. But when you come out of the gate like this, and so that's where this hockey team has to stay confident. That's why I asked you, you you're going to split the goaltending, but when you're struggling and you win one, you wonder when they go, yeah, we need some wins here because other teams are, are you know, you start to pull away a little bit. The Canucks will play more games than anybody in the North Division. Uh, you know, they got two points to show for it. It's just, it it just, everything seems out of sync. You'll go back to the golf analogy where a player's playing and you go, hey, how was that round? You know, I'm really close. Really? Because it didn't look like it. No, 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 I'm really close. I just don't think we can see the Canucks. They've had one period where they were really close. They go, okay, yeah, I think you got it. And then they lose it for various reasons. One, because McDavid was a stud. Yesterday, because they got so undisciplined in the final seven minutes of that second period and couldn't kill anything off. Um, home cooking, man. They haven't played here since March. Let's see if something changes. It, it, James, it almost has to. Could you imagine and how difficult it, it is it when you think, you got the halves for three. What if you lose all three in this one? Man, you're climbing out of the hole for the rest of the season because, as you said, you know, if four games over 56, it, it's not 
just the start. That's starting to become a significant part of the season. I think the Canucks are due for one against the Habs at least, but you know, the one done. That's not going to get it done. No, well, no, but, but here's the reality, right? And those three games, you're going to have to deal with the guy that I would put with the fate of the world on the line and goal. And that's Carey Price. I'm still a Carey Price fan and Carey Price will in all likelihood play tomorrow night. And then we'll probably see Jake Allen for the first time on Thursday and then Price back in goal on Saturday. But I like, you know, that's, that's a tall order. Now the Habs have beaten Carey Price before he is human, but the Habs look good right now. And that's a big blue line that has a lot of size that can play physical. Uh, it's a tall order for the, for the Vancouver Canucks coming up tomorrow night, Six fifty, six fifty. the Dunbar lumber text line. Um, lots of different people weighing in already this morning, Bill chiming in saying, sorry to say they're just not good enough. Other teams improved Canucks have not, if they go one in five changes will be needed to be made. I, I don't think you're pulling the plug or, or making wholesale changes, you know, after six games, but, It'll, it will be concerning when you're four games back in the division, right, with a 1-5 and five mark because trying to play catch-up within this division. Look, I mean, there are four, there are six teams I can make a legitimate case for in the, in the Poutine division and the Gord Downey division pair that can win it. I don't see Ottawa having a chance to win it, but they're going to be tougher than people realize, as we've already seen. But I would say that there are six teams, at least five anyway, that probably have Stanley Cup aspirations or hopes for this season. At least five of seven. Probably six if you want to lump the Canucks in there. And I think well, that's going uh, to be real hard when you fall behind four when you when you fall behind eight points in that division, I would say as Shaggy would say, Zoinks. There was a stretch yesterday in that Leaf Jets game. The Leafs were out shooting Winnipeg nineteen to one. So this morning in Winnipeg, <laughs> a you, you woke up in Winnipeg, and b your Jets were outshot for a period nineteen to one. There's issues there too. Probably Patrick what Bill says. Too, right? You know, you go one and five. Changes need to be made. Where are you making changes? It's not like this is going to be a tra- you know a trading frenzy in the NHL this year with quarantine issues. Um, you kind of have what you have. Won't disagree with them, though. Uh, you know, the two significant changes for this team, goaltending, which has been okay, but that's not going to help you score. You know, a stay-at-home defenseman, so that's not going to change anything other than hopefully he's not noticeable. And and then Nate Schmidt, who's going to be a puck mover, who's trying to get used to it all. Or if you're in Calgary this morning, and gosh, Tanner broke a lot of shots, blocked a lot of shots. Geez, it was nice to see that Markstrom's there. We're not worrying about any soft goals. There were more significant changes to the competition than there were to the Vancouver Canucks. So, yeah, are they good enough? I don't know if they're good enough. I, I would I would argue that and say, yeah, they are. But they really have to play well. Like right across the board, everyone has to bring their A game. Heard that for years, and they did for 20 minutes. But you cannot have anybody falter. And if your best player is not your best player, and that's been the case, it makes it that much more difficult. Uh, perfect day to have Todd Bertuzzi here on the show. Uh, hey, look, Bert was an elite player here with the Canucks, uh, with the West Coast Express. He can certainly speak about slumps and the highs and lows of an NHL season. We'll talk to Bert on this per Tuesday coming up at 7 o'clock. Uh, we'll also uh, be joined by Sportsnet's Dan Murphy coming up on your Canucks commute just after 8. And and at 7.30 this morning, we'll also head to Buffalo Pair as the Bills get set for the AFC Championship in Kansas City on Sunday. Man, what a story Josh Allen has been this season. 
but the entire Bills roster for that matter. You know, Stephon Diggs has been an, uh, an impact player, but longtime reporter Sal Capaccio from WGR in Buffalo is going to join us at 7.30 this morning. Man, he has seen some bad Bills teams. He has seen some great Buffalo teams, and we'll head to Buffalo coming up at 7.30. 650, 6.50, the Dunbar Lumber text line, always open for business. A lot of you jumping in. Got your Canucks and the song submissions. We'll get to those in a moment. And we'll also continue the conversation about Petey because we need to talk about the alien who isn't looking very alien-like. And we'll do that next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. Well, saying anything critical about Elias Pettersson in this market has been like talking about Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. It's essentially been off limits in these parts when it comes to discussing anything negative about Petey, but four games in, it begs to be asked. What's happened to the alien? The player some view was landing a potential $10 million a year setter has looked anything but the part. Maybe send out North Shore Search and Rescue, the PD that averaged over a point per game during last summer's playoffs, nowhere to be found in 2021. I keep hearing it's early, but rarely do elite players look this passive. And this coming off a long stretch, too. Maybe it's fatigue, but something hasn't clicked. His coach, Travis Green, alluded to that fact that Vancouver's employee number 40 might be squeezing the stick a little too tightly last night. It does play on your mind a little bit. And, um, you know, even for example, when I come in here, I've been asked about it every game. So I'm sure it's on his mind. He's a young player still. Uh, hasn't had, you know, the start he wants. And uh, well, that's all right. He's gonna—he's a great young player. He'll—he'll he'll get through it. You know, for someone who has odds offered on him winning the Hart Trophy, Pedersen has just one assist so far. He's got more penalties than he does points. The face that runs the place hasn't clicked on his sweet spot shot to this point. It started opening night when his stick broke on a one-timer, and it seems to have set the tone early this season. His best chance came late last night. It missed the net late in the game. And what about that 2-0 with Besser last night? WTF! How does that happen? It seems Pedersen is feeling frustrated at the moment. He took two silly penalties that were just uncharacteristic of him. It hurt the team. But to his credit, he's owned it. I was just disappointed in myself for being selfish, uh, letting my frustra- frustration take another dumb penalty, so um, it's not going to happen again. I'm still a Petey fan, and this market should be as well. But rarely do we see elite players go four straight games being this much of a non-factor. Pedersen has shown another gear when it's mattered in the postseason, and that performance has raised our expectations as to what's expected. Pedersen isn't surprising the opposition anymore, and he's going to need to work as hard as he did on his branding this fall in order to help this team stop a three-game slide with a rolling Montreal Canadiens team set to invade Rogers Arena tomorrow night. This team goes as Pedersen takes them, and right now, it's downhill. 
and it needs to go in the other direction. And that's this morning's Seaball says. Yeah, I'm not going to pin it all on a on a, a kid. Um, you know, if you talk to any scouts at a young age uh, when they're looking at kids, you know, be it college or, or their draft year, and what do they look at? And if you look at the superstars, they love to play. I mean, they absolutely love to play the game. If they could be on the ice for 12 hours a day, they would. And there are still those guys in the NHL. There are some, here's my job, what's the schedule, I'm going to give it my all, and then when I leave, I have another life. You know, Pedersen doesn't really have another life. This guy is hockey, hockey, hockey. And for the first time doing that, he's not having success. And everybody in North America, everybody in Sweden's going, oh, it's going to be a great year for you. You're in the hard contention. And he goes, I, you know, maybe, maybe I am, sure. You know, it's third year. Nothing's changed for me. I'm actually a little bit stronger. I'm a little bit smarter. And now so is the opposition. They're a little bit stronger and smarter to what he can do. So now the game of chess, the Queen Gambit, if you will, begins. What's your next move? He needed his horse and JT Miller, and he got the knight arriving there. I think he will straighten things out. You know, you can't look at the stats, James, and go, oh, first year good, second year better, third year even better. This guy's not going to have 200 points by the time he's in his 10th year. He's struggling. He feels it. He knows it. He's not hiding from it. And that's the good thing. And I think he'll be fine. Um, it's just we're going to look back. He'll have some nights where he'll put his three and four points up. It's just unfortunate. First impressions in the short season haven't been what we've wanted. Haven't been what he's wanted. Torrigan Langley texting under the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. He's still the man. It is early. Everybody has tough stretches. It's all mental. He needs that confidence back. It will. There is no doubt. That's what great players do, and Petey will turn it around and be even better than ever. Bank on it. There's Torgi uh, chiming in with that. Richard has an interesting question here, Pear. Just an observation, but could this sudden losing slump be tied to Travis Green's current contract not being resolved by management? I don't think so, but no. I had some, a couple of buddies text me last night at the end of the game saying, do you think Travis Green could be in trouble here? Now, look, we're four games in. I don't think I'm, I, I don't think there's any concern of Travis Green being fired this season, but if things go absolutely off the rails, it might prove to be a tough negotiation or there may not be a negotiation at the end of the season if the Canucks go off the rails and were to miss the playoffs and in a spectacularly, you know, blaze of glory fashion. Uh, but I don't think that that's an issue right now, in my opinion. Been four road games too, right? You don't get the matchups you want. You don't control last change. You know, let, let's keep that in mind. Travis Green being able to dictate a lot of stuff. I haven't been able to do that on the road. I wouldn't even go there. I wouldn't even think there as far as Travis Green having some issues. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I mean, you mentioned Petey's in for the big, big dollars. Well, I guess if the numbers aren't as, as, as big as we might project, and when you're looking for the big numbers, you have consistency right across the board. And if the first four games, you don't come flying out of the gate, uh, you might see a little bit there. But, no, I listen, it, it's four games. I understand it. And, and I do go There's There's no panic. And, and Bert will join us in the top of the hour. Go, don't panic, everybody. But you do get a little bit concerned because it has to be done with what they have on the ice right now. There's, there's no help coming from anywhere else. But 20 minutes of hockey in that first period, I think everyone watched it and said, well, there they are. Man, these guys are buzzing. They're first to the puck. They're creating. They just weren't scoring. Could have scored four or five. Didn't. 
But then it's okay. Where did that go to? Like what happened in that 15 minute break where you just came back and forgot how to play is exactly what Tyler Myers said. So we're a game away from turning it around, you know, and I was wondering, okay, so what is it? Special teams that are bad? Yes. On both sides. Does that scare you? They'll fix it eventually. Um, the discipline, they'll fix that eventually. You know what scares me a little bit, James, is there's just no off nights. Now you've got the Montreal Canadiens for three, mm-hmm. and that's what's going to make it difficult. Then the Leafs come flying in at some point again. Then you see Edmonton again, who they may never fix their problems, but there's just no easy nights in the North Division, and that's if you get off to a slow start. Scraping and crawling back to get into the pack uh, is going to make it difficult. Uh, Keith in Qualicum Beach uh, on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Shake your head, James. It's game freaking four. They started on the road, got some ticky-tack pims. You're worse than the bandwagon jumper fans. I don't know if they're ticky-tack penalties. I mean, there's been some bad penalties that they've taken. I have so value for some of the penalties. (laughs) Um, uh, How about this one? So uh, how's the draft class looking this year? More specifically, the top three. That from Jim Benning. I don't know if that's the real Jim Benning, but uh, anyway. What do you say we get into Canucks in a song here, Pair 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. We've had a bunch of submissions pour in already. Let me tee up with mine, okay? Here's where I'm at. After watching the Canucks power play go 0 for again, now 0 for 15, the penalty-killing unit has been, I don't know, on, on Jupiter over the last week. And with Pedersen, obviously, the topic of discussion this morning, the way it is, I'm channeling a little Justin Bieber this morning. Where are you now? I mean, where is everybody, right? Where's the power play? Where's the penalty killing unit? Where's the D? Where's Petey? Where are you now? That's by Canucks in the song. Fair enough. You saw them all. Saw them all for 20 minutes. It's kind of like, hey, guys, you're all here. That's awesome. I'm just going to go get something to drink, and then we'll really party. And then you can, where are they all? Where would everybody go? That's what happened for 40 minutes in Calgary. Uh, this one was a little more difficult for me as we come in, and people are going, oh, man, this isn't a great way to be in on Tuesday. Now we got the Habs coming. But I went with little Jason Rats, and I won't worry. I'm not going to worry my life away right now. Give me a couple more weeks, though. And, and James, that's the thing. You know, if, if you don't fix this by the end of January, you know, you're going to have to do an awful lot of climbing. So I don't know if we can stress enough. Yes, it's four games. But, guys, it's not 82 seasons. It's not 82 games. It's four games. It's almost 10% of the season coming by here already. Need to fix it. But for now, on this Tuesday morning, I won't worry. Uh, let's go to Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass. Ballack, what have you, uh, what have you picked for us here this morning? What, uh, what track have you got for us? I got a track from Dan Auerbach, who's from the Black Keys, and it's just kind of your typical heading home with the tail between your legs type of song like the Canucks are. So long, I'm going, going.
the Montreal Canadiens waiting for them tomorrow night when they're going home. Uh, DJ APD with a submission as well this morning. This one courtesy of Rascal Flats. What hurts the most was being so close and having so much to say. A lot of sad songs this morning, parents. What happens when you're losing, right? Well, so you need somebody to pick you up, right? And, and you thought JT Miller was that guy, and although he didn't have any shots on goal, the energy was needed there, and that's what they need to find, some energy. And, hey, make no mistake, they had their training camp, but they have not played a hockey game since March um, on their home ice. So I think there will be some comfort for them. The The Fear is you can make all these all right guys. Let's get a little better. Is the opposition like Montreal just is playing at a level that comes out of the gate where they're probably the best team in the NHL right now. So you got to fix it and you got to fix it in a hurry. Um, and part of it is to how do you stay positive? You know, you saw with Thatcher Demko when he came in with Jacob Markstrom was hurt at the end of the season. And here you go. Here's your big stage. And it wasn't there for him. And you just kind of wondered. This is the first time for PD in three years. That it's all right, so I got to get out of this stuff. If he was hitting goalposts, if he was creating so many opportunities and everybody was draped all over him and he's causing penalties, I think the main guy on this team would go, it's coming. I mean, I know it's coming, but there haven't been a whole lot of those episodes to go, yeah, that's that's what I feel good about before I shut my eyes because yeah, I, I did a lot of good things. Uh, he needs to find that, and the entire team needs to find that on a consensus, consistent basis. Uh, Jay and Lady Smith on the Dunbar Lumber text line going with a little tenacious D thinking, man, he misses Marky right now with, dude, I totally miss you. My kids, after watching School of Rock and the Bo- and the two Jumanji movies, are just like the biggest Jack Black fans now. So that's a win for uh, the kids here, Jay. Uh, East Fan Tommy going with the Pretenders back on the chain gang for his Canucks in a song. Now we're back on the train. Back on the chain gang. Saying they all need to work harder, pair. Just like that. That's how it starts, right? You know, I go back to, to the previous song. James, you think this record's any different on this road trip if Jacob Markstrom's in goal? Uh, I, you know, I'm sorry. I can't I can't see any goals that makes a difference. You know, unless he's incredible and shuts people out. Goaltending has not been the issue in the trip through Alberta. No. Um, I, I would go with the chain gang, right? I would go. You got to work harder. If it's not going to happen, just make sure you're out there and make sure you're working. You can get noticed that way. Um, and, and I think it's kind of been for some of them that they're on a treadmill. Like, they're not getting any traction to what they're doing. And, yeah, work harder. It's as simple as that. How do you get it to work harder? Got to work harder. Work smarter, but you also got to work harder. Yeah, you got you to stop being the worst special teams unit in the league as well. What do we got coming up next there with, before Big Burt? Uh, we'll get into a little bit of no BS, just PS. And it's the love of hockey. Two best buddies, what can I do for you to help your cause? By the way, drop the gloves. I've got issues with the way you handle things. What happened? It happened last night. We'll tell you who. No BS, just BSA at 644 on Sports and 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter. 
sort of. We call BS. You want BS. I want the truth. It's not BS, just P.S. with Perry Solkowski. A lot of little things going on in the world of sports. We're bringing to you in the form of no BS, just P.S. Hey, P.S., the kid from Salmon Arm has been swimming upstream ever since he was a first-round pick. Batted at by Myers, taken by Curtis Lazar with speed and across to the back end, he scores! Curtis Lazar surprising Hart with that backhander, and he gives the Sabres a 1-0 lead. Surprising everybody. Man, I like this kid. It's never really worked for him. Eight years after being drafted 17th overall, he's got 20 goals in his entire career, 287 games in the NHL. He popped two last night. Getting the job done for him. Lazar getting the goals. Lazar doing his bit. James, I never even asked you because with your Ottawa ties and stuff and when you're World Juniors, have you had interactions with Curtis Lazar when so much was expected? No, Curtis Lazar was well after the fact, after uh, I had stopped uh, traveling for the World Juniors. uh, But Lazar, you know, I I think of Curtis Lazar. Do you guys remember? Do you remember Daniel Kachuk? Remember he was the captain of the Canadian World Junior team and he was supposed to be that big star for for the Calgary Flames. And, man, you know, Total, total whiff, and just never really panned out. And Lazar's certainly had a lot of opportunities. Um, you know, maybe he's found a home in Buffalo. It's, again, it's it's early, but the odds have certainly been against him thus far as an NHLer. I was actually surprised that he's played that many NHL games because it just seems like it's been disappointment everywhere he's stopped. But got a couple last and night. And teams for looking Five. for guys, right? And teams looking like like looking for that kind of player, right? And just he has not been able to deliver. Yeah, maybe somehow in this situation where, you know, money's tight, a guy like that can maybe break through. Only 25, still has some hockey in front of him. A P.S., a tennis player, Bernard Tomczyk's girlfriend, getting death threats after her comments on social media about the difficulties of quarantining like 70-plus players are and their spouses and girlfriends at the Aussie Open. This is the worst part of quarantine. I don't wash my own hair. I've never washed my own hair. It's just not something that I do. Yeah, that's probably not going to go over well when the world is dealing with this and her biggest issue is washing her own hair. Now, she is a social media uh, influencer. It was part of one of her vlogs. She said, everything's been taken out of context. I'm not like that. Check all the charity work I've been doing. And James, maybe I just took that out of context as well from an Australian report. Man, don't be saying that. There's, there's stuff to deal with. They've been bitching about the food and everything. Not a good look, but you don't go to death threats on social media, and that's been the case. Well, it's just a, it was a bad look because the the context that was taken, like I've never washed my hair, I don't wash my hair. It just yeah, and, and, and honestly, you know, hey, look, don't judge a book by its cover, but <laughs> just the optics that somebody looked very made up. The the only way that is saved when you go that's taken out of context. What I said was on Mondays. On Mondays, I never wash my hair. I just don't do it. Uh, No, sorry, that doesn't go over well. Hey, you love this story from last night. Dylan Larkin, Zach Wierenski, buddies, childhood friends, teammates at Michigan, roommates at Michigan. So fans can't come watch the game. Family and friends can't. Dylan Larkin leaves his two tickets and says, Zach, tell your parents to come to the game so they can watch. Great move. And then the two put on a show for them. Now... Some extracurricular activity. Shocking that Bertuzzi would be right in the middle of it. 
That guy wants it. Lorenzo wow. getting after the two buddies from Michigan. and Larkin. Yeah, two buddies that we showed at the beginning of the show. Yeah, they got into a scrap. You know, uh, Larkin said, listen, there's pushing and shoving. I went flying in there. Apparently my elbow hit him in the face. And then the next thing you know, we're dropping gloves. That's hockey. <laughs> P.S. Shock, it's shocking that Bertuzzi's in it. What a line by McGuire. <laughs> we should yeah, Let's keep that for Bert. Uh, and finally, P.S. Raptors won a title and he gave him some love. Am I right? My Colorado. Got that ring. Just like Toronto. Love you now. A little more tomorrow. That's how I feel. Act like you know that you are. I think we've just today a starting lineup record in the last half hour. We played Justin Bieber twice. But the Beeb, when the season started, takes to his Instagram, just takes a picture of the Leafs logo. And says, this is the year. How does that help NHL marketing? NHL Instagram followers, 4.5 million. Justin Bieber's Instagram followers, 157 million people took a look at the Leafs logo. And were reminded, hey, NHL season is going. That's you know, marketing you can't get anywhere else. No, and, and I'll tell you, Pear, like, uh, we, we had Snoop Dogg as part of the NHL video game last year, right? Uh, for NHL 20 uh, for EA Sports and you know, I was doing a podcast with somebody recently, and they asked me, you know, who would you love to see, you know, in the game somehow? If they could, if there was a way to afford it and find a way to reel him in, I think Justin Bieber would be massive because he knows hockey. He's a hockey fan. He's got skills, and imagine that sort of branding power with somebody that big internationally and intergalactically, for that matter, being part of that. It, the NHL. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, when I compared the followers, just go, wow. I mean, look at that. I mean, you just can't buy that marketing power. Loves the game uh, from a distance, though. But, boy, if somehow you could have him tweeting about it every once in a while, posting stuff on Instagram, what a massive win that would be. Oh, you can't. You can't you can buy it. It's just going to cost you a truckload of money, right? Yeah, exactly. But it didn't Kardashian go over 200 million followers this week? That's how it's done. That's no BS. That's just PS, everybody. Five minutes to 7 o'clock. Big Bird joins us on this per Tuesday edition of the starting lineup next here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Over to the left point. Tries a long race shot. He scores. Jake Vertanen from the line. Fools Jacob Markstrom. Puck looked like it changed direction on its way to the net. These guys are here to break it all down. I think, obviously, we got to get more pucks and bias to the net and start and getting in goalies' faces and bearing down when we get our chances. I mean, there's a lot of games still left to be played, and obviously things we got to clean up, but um, we got to start bearing our, our chances. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Don't panic. People don't panic. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. All right, two minutes after 7 o'clock here on this uh, Tuesday morning. A little brisk out there, mostly cloudy. Uh, chance of showers later on this afternoon, a high of just 6 degrees. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, Todd Bertuzzi will join us here on this Bertuzzi in just a couple of minutes. And, you know, the Canucks drop another one. They get spanked by Jacob Markstrom, Chris Tanev, and the Flames back-to-back nights there, pair in Calgary, and they uh, return home with a 1-3 and record. And, you know, we've been asking about the uh, panic level and where you're feeling, obviously, with a very, very quiet start to the year from Elias Pettersson through the first four games with just one lonely assist, and he's got more penalties than he does points. But we're asking you this morning at Sportsnet 650 on our Twitter site, are you concerned or worried about the play of Elias 
Richardson. And right now, a lot of people jumping in, but a lot of people jumping into defense of Elias Pettersson. Well, and as it should be, right? I mean, if, if Elias Pettersson was asking this poll, he'd go, yeah, I'm concerned myself. I need to be better. Concerned is one thing. Completely worried that you've lost it. There's no, no chance, right? This, you know, you look at all the numbers. Not everybody is lighting it up. You can't take a, uh, you you can't take a sample size of four games and go. He should have been better. He didn't play any exhibition games. Maybe he needed it. Maybe the fact that you know he stayed in Vancouver and so went through a different offseason of training is one that's taking him a little bit longer to get used to it. I, I like the fact that this guy owned it yesterday said he needs to be better. The discipline was something that is so out of character for him that he showed with a couple of penalties, one with complete frustration with that high slash. Um, that's a good thing. That's the compete level. And I would be concerned if Pedersen wasn't working like a dog trying to make something happen. He's just having no effect right now. One of those four games has been one with JT Miller, who to me is kind of his security blanket. So does he need to be better? Of course. Will he be better? Well, then I would suggest everybody in the NHL who's a scout, who's a player, who's a coach, kind of misread that this guy is going to be a superstar. Uh, he is, and he will continue to be. It's just a matter of when he busts out of this four-game start. Well, we've been waiting. It's four games, and yes, it's a small sample size. Right now, 72% of you are confident he'll bounce back. But look, you don't see elite players this quiet for this long a stretch, to go four straight games where you're just kind of MIA out there. And that's six the days, though, James. Six, six, day, six games, I, I get it, six days. Like it's, six, it's, six days, yeah. right? Like that's but what's, a, but what's the best thing? But what's, but, what's the best, but what's the best thing? What's the most noticeable thing he's done? Like the shot's not there, pair, the engagement. You know, the, like there was one nice assist on opening night. But outside of that, we just have not seen that. And that's the concern. Now, I made the example. Nathan McKinnon went through about three years of a funk before the switch went off, and he's now become one of the most dominant players in the league, kind of in that conversation with Connor McDavid. But he struggled for a few years. I don't think we're going to see that for three years with Pedersen, but I would definitely say it's a concern right now because this team seems to go as far as Elias Pedersen's going to take them. Todd Bertuzzi, it's Tuesday. Let's welcome him back from Europe. He's back home, and we say, what's happening, buddy? Good morning, guys. I'm actually thankful that I get a little time out. I was just out on the lake building the uh, rink on the lake right now, so I'm taking a little bit of time out, having a coffee. Oh. And uh, looking forward to engaging in conversation with you. Seaball, man, why so angry and controversial? <laughs> it's six days in. Six days in. Not every freaking guy get off to a great start, man. Everyone's got to freaking relax a little bit. Relax. It's... um. It's and you're playing in in the hardest division there is. I'm sorry, but there ain't a freaking there ain't an easy game any of the nights. Um, I believe it's one of the fastest, most hard hitting divisions you're going to play in, and you got to be ready uh, each and every night. But uh, uh, for Patterson, it, 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 it's there's times where you just get off to a slow start, man. It's just the timing and all that, and and I got a little bit of. These athletes have been through a lot. They're out there entertaining all of us who are sitting on the couch uh, watching these guys play and putting themselves uh, uh, through risk with uh, with everything that's been going on. So I think we've got to give them a little bit of slack. It's way too early to panic. Um, but our trusty uh, stack guru, Mike English, did let me know that the power play was 0-15 to PK. 
seven goals on 21 power play. That definitely has to sharpen up. And you've also played against uh, the goaltender twice that used to play for your team and used to carry your team. And he stepped up big, and that's what happens in those moments when uh, when you leave a team. You want to uh, make sure that you got payback, and uh, Markstrom played awesome. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's not like Markstrom wasn't used to seeing Besser come down a wing and, and, and know where he might be favoring to snap it. Bert, what did you do when you got into a slide? And I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think it's a slide for Pedersen. You've played four hockey games, and, and you've worked like a dog. He blocked a shot yesterday, coming back real hard, doing what he can if he's not scoring. But when you're supposed to score, as you were in your career, what do you do? Because this is the first time for him. This is the first time in this city people are going, hey, where's number 40 gone? So how do you get past yeah. Yeah, so, sorry to interrupt you there, Perry, but yeah, I, I went through, I've gone through stretches, like stretches that were pretty uh, bleak, but in the same time, my body's built differently. I would try to go out there and run guys over or try to get in a fight, try to engage myself to get something going, and then I'd spend a lot of time in practice working uh, on getting my confidence. confidence. When your confidence is high, man, you're the world beater. When it's low, I don't care if you're a professional athlete, when it gets in your head, um, it takes a little bit to get out of, and uh, and you can't tell me not every single athlete has ever gone through a stretch where they've gone four, five, six, seven games uh, not being at their best. But but he still works. He still does a lot of the intangibles in order to be a leader on that team, and uh, and and to deserve his ice time. Uh, it's just not going in the net, or the puck's not going in the net from other guys' sticks, but. I, 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 what is it? What do I write down here? Give me one second. Uh, 13 goals against in three games with four goals scored. That's not going to get the job done. We can't score four goals in three games and give up 13. I did notice a lot of turnovers in the neutral zone, a lot of defensive turnovers in our own zone uh, that have caught, that caused uh, a lot of offensive chances. And uh, you got to get, take your hat off to Goudreau, Monaghan, to Chuck and Lindholm. Uh, I thought they played fantastic. They looked like the Russian five out there. They were uh, holding on the puck, making plays. It was not only on the power play, even five on five. They seemed to have their way. So that team and that line is playing with a ginormous amount of confidence. And so is the goaltender. Flames are the real deal. They're they're showing what they're really made of with their depth right now. Yeah, no, they, they certainly have. And, and they just every turnover that the Canucks seem to have last night seemed to wind up in the back of the net. You know, bad clearing attempt by Hamannick bad turnover by Goddett, and they both result in goals. So tell me this, man. It's all, it, it, yeah, yeah, it's all stuff that can get fixed, eh? It's all yeah. stuff that can fix. That's no, why totally. It's, it's, it's just it's, it's, we're so early into the COVID season at a 58-game shotgun start playing in the hardest division. So we got to have a little bit. So, if, if this is like – if this is the same results after game 10 to game 15, then, then, then there's a button that needs to be pressed. Okay, so to that point, I was just going to say – because you've been that guy who's been, you know, the dominant player or a, a guy who's been looked at to provide offense for this franchise in this market. And then there's times yeah. where, hey, people are probably we, – we've asked you in the past, hey, man, what's, it's not clicking right now. What's going on? At what point do you get concerned then? As an observer, at what point do you say, all right, for this team it's not clicking because the power play stinks right now, the penalty kill's not going right now, PD's not going right now. At what point or how long do you say stay calm until you don't stay calm? Well, you, you know what it is. I said the old, the old Kenny Holland way is 
you don't know what you got until you get to thanks American Thanksgiving. That's when you know where you are, where the panic button needs to be pushed and things need to be done. So you basically have to take uh, you get a, you almost get a month leeway to see where it's at. I think what how many games are they playing this month? Is it do 10? you have much, that much time though? Yeah, right? Like they just played yeah, four in less than a week. That, 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 that's what I'm saying. That that it's, it's you got to take you got to do the calculation from from the regular season to when Thanksgiving is, and then put in the COVID season and all that. You're basically at if after ten games your record is two and eight. Well, then you're in big time trouble in that division. Like you ain't getting out of it. You have to be, I honestly believe, two games above 500 to stay competitive in that division. Yeah, which means you got a Montreal team rolling in and all these little mini series, which I think are great. You lose the first one, you you know you have to bounce back. Bert, when did you notice? Like you said, when you would get into a funk, you could go hit people and and get yourself engaged. Was there a time when you noticed things were different? And I speak of teams game planning against you because uh, the days of PD not being the focus of the opposition are long gone. Um, And I think that's part of the issue now, too. They now know him. How do they play him? They'll play him 10 times in some cases. How does he adjust to that? Yeah, uh, good good point. Um, Because I played against... uh, uh, we played against our line a lot of the big heavy lifters, uh, the third line. And in order to get through that, you have to do. We did a lot of video, but it, it, it's your will to succeed, man. Like I wasn't gonna let what I considered, I'm not. It, I don't. What I considered a plumb line that's gonna come out and just check me, not worry about offense. You're just gonna check that kind of plumb line. I'm not gonna let them dictate on what I play. So I never allowed the opposition to dictate my play. I forced the issue. And I forced it with physical. Uh, vengeance, which are dumping in, finishing my checks. You guys are gonna, you guys are gonna check me. It's gonna be the longest night that you're gonna have. And uh, but there were times where I actually felt that I had a right-handed stick. That's how low the confidence gets sometimes. You don't see the holes. You can't beat a guy one-on-one. You feel sluggish. Your legs aren't there. But uh, it, it's for me. I, I, I've been through it. I remember going through some practice. I'm like, man, I feel like I'm, I'm Space Jam, man. Like someone touched me and sucked all my talent out. And it just disappears, and all of a sudden, boom, clicks, got a goal, got an assist, or, or did a good play that created something, not necessarily get a point, and then just catapulted me back to where my confidence was. But there was a period of time for, I will say, for three years where I didn't have one slump and I didn't have one uh, time where I did not feel that I was the best player and I didn't lack uh, confidence uh, in my game. Uh, and, and that's not... That's not three years is pretty good. That's pretty good, man, to feel for three years to feel dominant, not having an off day, not feeling like crap, getting the job done every single night, being so consistent. That's what prides athletes is how long of a stretch can you be consistent at a high level for? And I feel I did a really good job at that for three years. But then that's just that gets you a couple all star games and, and no cup. It's. Sidney Crosby has stretched this out through his entire career. Ovechkin, uh, McDavid, McKinnon, uh, then the greats, Joe Sackett, Steve Eiserman. To be able to play at that high of a level that long of a time, that's what catapults you into a uh, superstar, not just a star. What do you do to fix the power play? Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, I believe in sometimes – 
changing it up, different looks. I know Miller just got back, eh, also? Yeah. And he's yep. a key component on that power play. So we got to be a little bit uh, – uh, give him some time in order to work in with the units. But sometimes simple is better. Um, getting into the zone, uh, I'm a huge believer in puck retrieval, man. You have to have active guys. I've always hated a power play that was stagnant. You're standing still and you're easy to check. I want activity. I want puck movement. I want them to look like what Calgary looked like on the power play, which I thought looked unbelievable. Their puck movement, they were buzzing every which way. If a shot, rebound, they had two guys on the puck. Their puck retrieval was amazing. Look at stuff like that, man. Sometimes looking at other people's stuff on how they work and how they do can help you also out in the slump. Well, you know, it's funny because I think they've moved the puck around well. But all on the outside, and, and during uh, one of the intermissions, I flipped it over and watched a little bit of the Vegas game, and Vegas happened to be on the power play. I swear they took about mm-hmm. 10 shots on that power play. Maybe only three well, got through. They, they, well, they moved they, the puck, and all they did was shoot for it. All they did was shoot. Yeah, I know, but how do you think you score in hockey? You score in hockey. Your power play needs to have, an, on average, to be a, like a successful power You need to average five shots a power play. You have to. You can't go... And on the outside, look pretty. How are you going to get it? you got to get into the mud. you got to get into the paint. Sometimes it's just a ground and pound. We talked about this, I think, two years ago, not during the last COVID, but two years ago when their power play wasn't going well. It's, all, it's just ground and pound, man. Get it back to the D. Get two guys at the net. Get some ugly monkey goals. And then those little beautiful tic-tac cues to Pedersen, to backdoor, to Brock goals are going to end up coming. But you have to... You have to engage inside the paint. You can't stay on the outside. Outside hockey has no success in my books. Well, you know what? It's funny. Corey Hirsch said the exact same thing. From where the Canucks are shooting right now, as a goaltender, you take those shots all day, every day, because they're all from the perimeter. Yeah, you're right. Um, Hey, on a side note, um, we should tell the story from like this past week. So, and the website Vancouver is awesome. Uh, Bob Cronbauer had written an article about. What was it, Bert? Was it the hated Vancouver Canuck? Todd Bertuzzi <laughs> will uh, record a video for you, and, uh, and and it's funny how the headline kind of read in a bit of a kicky in the ass, but boy, talk about being good for business, eh? Well, a lot of it there's there's a lot of it that goes to charity, which is a great thing. I don't want to give him any bit of clout. <laughs> at all. I don't even actually want to speak about his name and all that for him to during COVID and tough times and all this. And I go out of my way to do a show like this. And I try to get back into the community of Vancouver to come and come after me the way he did on the first article uh, just shows who the person is. And I don't even want to give him any fame. The second article, and this is all stuff that people send me. Remember, I don't, I don't find this stuff. I don't know about this stuff unless people send it to me. The second article was correct. I am one of the most hated players to ever play in Vancouver, just in other ranks, not in Vancouver. My people spoke up and they spoke up loud and they let this punk know what it's about. And <laughs> he was correct. In every other rink, visiting rink, I'm the most hated Vancouver Canucks there is. That's a compliment. Are you kidding me? Do you want to be liked in other, in other rinks? But no, uh, my fans and my people and the people of Vancouver and the Canucks fans and all that, they stepped up and uh, they showed uh, the kind of love that they have for me, and I appreciate them. And I'm going to continue to uh, do this show, and I'm going to continue to going out into Vancouver and getting into the community and doing some more work for everyone out there. 
but it was good for business, right? Like you, sure a lot did. of people reached out. A lot of a lot of people reached out to you uh, for those for those videos, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, a ton did. And I appreciate that. And you got to see the kind words. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a picture, but I'm gonna send you the two. It's amazing how unbelievable the fans and the people of Vancouver there are to are to me, and I and I couldn't be more humbled and appreciative that. That's how they spoke, and that's what they feel just from a message from me. But, but it's nice. Money goes to charity. People get help and all that kind of stuff. And these people enjoy uh, talking to me, and, and, and I try to spend some time with them, letting them know what I'm doing, what's going and all that. It's just not a quick, hey, 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 things and all that. But uh, anyways, it's, it, it has been a blast, uh, and uh, hopefully it keeps coming, and, uh, and hopefully the Vancouver Canucks are going to win here against Montreal. All right. Do you get these messages done in one take, or do you have to do it again and again? Um, you know Come me on, very like you're, well, right? You're kicking names sometimes. You know, you got to see some. Some of them, I will be like 45 seconds into it, spot on hammering it out, and then all of a sudden I get the old, I'm like, oh, my God, damn it. And then I start swearing, and then I'm like, oh, I can't send that, and then I have to start over. Welcome to the world of media. Uh, nice yeah. job, big man. Good to see you. Fun to be talking some hockey. And, you know, shockingly in a week's time, I don't think we'll be in this kind of a panic mode. At least that's how the fan base is right now. Worried about the, no, the start no, no. and getting yeah, a game. We'll be, we'll, we'll be okay. Just uh, It'll take a little bit of time, man. And like I said, remember, man, we are literally in the coolest, toughest division that there is right now. And this has been uh, made for TV hockey. I love it. You guys stay safe out there and take care. Take care, brother. There he is, uh, Todd Bertuzzi, weighing in with his thoughts. Uh, don't panic is what Big Bird's kind of saying right now as the Canucks 1-3 uh, and three to start the season. And I know somebody down the hall from News 1130, the one and only Sonia Aslam, maybe not feeling the same way after what she saw last night, Aslam? No, I'm absolutely not panicking. And if Canucks Twitter wants to come at me, go ahead. I'm not panicking. It was a crappy game, and it was a crappy game on Saturday, but I'm not hitting the panic button. We're four games in. Relax. We'll get there. And yeah, all this, but, and all, but, no, but all this controversy, like, ooh, you know, Petey hasn't woken up. Okay, it's not like we don't know he has the talent to back it up. He's not the only one, you know, struggling. They all are. Relax. We'll get there. Uh, well, then you, you, I mean, the email you sent us last night after the high, you said Canucks suck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did. Because I'm were not. You vent- were you venting? Was that right after the final whistle? Uh, it was a minute before. It was right after their fifth goal. And I was like, well, <laughs> there you go. And I, yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm not pissed off. Of course, this is not the start we wanted to a shortened season. We don't have much time to make it up, but they know that. You know, and I, you know, I saw JT Miller's quote last night saying, you know, we're not being professional. We get paid a lot of money to do this and we, we kind of need to, you know, earn our dollar. So it's not like they don't know that they're not playing well. And I don't know. Is it just me? I could see that PD looked frustrated even while he's sitting on the bench. No, I, I think the team is frustrated just like the fan base. Uh, yeah. Workout in Langley shooting overnight? Yeah, we had another shooting. <laughs> Crime. <laughs> I'm so nonchalant about it now. Uh, yeah, he got uh, rushed to the hospital. He, this guy was found. He's 27 years old. Obviously, he has a criminal record. He's known to police. They're not sure if it's linked to the ongoing uh gang and drug turf war that we've had in this region for the last few weeks. We've had about five or six homicides since the end of December. Um, He was rushed to the hospital. He had emergency surgery. He's in critical condition. Um, So, yep, Langley, that's that's our latest hotspot. And south of the border, 
Last day today, right? Last, Last call at the bar Trump. for Donald Trump. Oh, man. It's taken us so long to get here. It's taken us four years to get here. Yeah, so today is Donald Trump's final official full day in office, and it is going to be filled with um, probably nothing. Um, he's just going to pardon a bunch of his friends, and his friends right now include some criminals, some rappers, maybe the pillow guy if we found out he did something. Like, it's just, he's just sort of getting anything he wants in done, done. And we don't know if he's going to try to pardon himself, which is ridiculous. But uh, we get a, a pool feed sort of release from both the prime minister's office and the White House, sort of explaining what the leaders are doing. And Justin Trudeau's itineraries usually, you know, uh, media veil, meetings with the premiers, you know, it looks like an adult schedule. And then Donald Trump's schedule for yesterday, for today, that was that was released, just said, Donald Trump will be making many calls and will have many meetings and will work into the evening. And you're like, oh. that's what he's been releasing since he lost the election. That's what he's like that's, only ever that's done. But pushed. he doesn't do anything. He's too busy golfing half the time. So he's actually at the White House now, which, by the way, D.C. is like a fortress of security right now because, you know, they're a mess. Yeah, that's, that's well, the, that's, that's the, the inauguration way. will be watched for completely different reasons than it normally is. Right. Just to see if it can go off. Oh, absolutely. There's 25,000 troops in D.C. right now. And the concern right now is not to not to be somber, Sonia, but one of the concerns right now is to ensure that there's no uh, attack from the inside. Uh, ABC News got some intel, got some sources saying that there's concerns that someone from the inside could do something so yeah a lot of eyes are going to be on tomorrow for a few reasons one of them is obviously you know a new chapter is beginning joe biden will become president officially um but also any security concerns so we'll uh, we'll be all over that awesome well thanks aslam uh don't panic nope, that's the key takeaway this morning Thank nice you. to see you yesterday aslam yeah hey see while perry popped in mm-hmm. and then i was like where's james and then i turned back and kept working I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I miss you, too. I miss you, too. <laughs> Bye, guys. Take care. Yeah. Sonia Aslam from News 1130 uh, with the latest uh, in the News 1130 newsroom. Uh, full coverage of uh, Inauguration Day tomorrow on News 1130. Hey, Pear, another breaking news story that uh, we should probably uh, just touch on here briefly. Uh, but big news out of Major League Baseball was the New York Mets firing general manager Jared Porter uh, this morning. A day after uh, last night, ESPN reporting that the the new general manager back in 2016 had sent explicit, unsolicited texts and images to a female reporter while he was working with the Cubs. So this story comes to light last night, and he was abruptly fired by new owner Steve Cohen, who basically said, you know what, hey, look, we are not tolerating any sort of behavior like this, and we are cutting bait immediately. And this is the second consecutive year that the Mets have tried to hire somebody and have had to pull the shoot. Remember Carlos Beltran hired his manager, pull the shoot. Here they go with Jared Porter, obviously for much different reasons, and they have quickly cut bait on Jared Porter. Honestly, how does this happen? Like, I could apply for a job at, you know, in an office at a furniture store moving sofas, and I wouldn't be shocked if they go and check a little bit of my background and go, oh, a little background check. How do you get a position like that? And something that he admitted, you, you, there's, you, you can't, you know, turn the stone. What do you got? The white caps doing the background check on all these guys? <laughs> like, how does that go on? Yeah. Ridiculous. You make an announcement a month ago and then you find out, you go, oh, no, yeah, no, this is what this guy was up to. So, yeah. Um, yeah, didn't really put a stamp on the team, did he? 
No, sending pictures of your junk, not a good idea, people. Just a, just a real simple life lesson that if you're not, stu- if you're not smart enough mm-hmm. to know that already, yeah. know it now. Junk um, mail means like spam and advertising, kids. Junk mail is for stuff that doesn't make sense. Uh, that's not how you become a GM in a baseball team. Well, no, and ESPN had been aware of this story for the better part of the last three and a half years, finally came to light with it yesterday, and uh, the Mets uh, quickly cutting bait on Jared Porter. So um, a very short run as general manager of the New York Mets. All right, 27 minutes after 7 o'clock. Uh, lots more uh, Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650, if you want to weigh in with your thoughts and what you saw from the Canucks last night. Lots more coming your way, including the Canucks commute at 8 with Dan Murphy. Plus, we will head to Buffalo in a moment. Championship Sunday looming in the National Football League, and the Bills are there for the first time since the early 90s when they went to four straight Super Bowls. It's been a while, and we'll head to Buffalo next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Lamar Jackson back to throw, guns it into the end zone, intercepted! Two yards deep in the end zone, intercepted by Taron Johnson, and he brings it out, and he's still on the run. He may go all the way. He's at the ball below 40, the 30, gets a block at the 20, 10, 5, touchdown! Touchdown! Taron Johnson goes 102 yards with an end zone interception. Touchdown, Buffalo! Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 7.32, and the Bills are back in the AFC Championship. How about that? And they'll take on the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, coming up Sunday in KC. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski will head to Buffalo in just a couple of minutes and uh, get a sense of uh, what the mood is like in Buffalo where, man, it has been a long time coming. You know, we've heard a lot from our own Sat Shaw, who is a diehard Cleveland Browns fan, and I think a lot of people have certainly enjoyed the journey that Sat and company went on from a Brown standpoint. But, man, like as somebody who lived in southern Ontario for a while, as somebody who went down to Buffalo to cover some games, and you talk about some lean years, Pear, uh, I, I'm happy for Bills fans because I don't even know if – you know, to get to the Super Bowl four consecutive years is incredible. And I don't think that Bills dynasty is appreciated enough. I think we they kind of laugh at them more and go, ah, they lost four straight Super Bowls. But think about a team getting to four consecutive Super Bowls in today's day and age, or or even at the time in the early 90s when the Bills did it. Yeah, it's funny. They they don't get the respect. And ESPN did a great documentary on that. Just, you know, they were the love of that town. Hey, there's not a whole lot of people. Buffalo is like Winnipeg, right? You never get the respect. I think social media has been great for Bills and Bills Mafia to show how crazy that fan base is. You know, and another thing you you find out, just like they had done previously, I think it was almost $400,000 they they raised for Lamar Jackson's charity. Hey, these guys love their team. They're good when they win. They're gracious when they win. And, boy, they've lost an awful lot. It just seems like how they built this team, like if your team is not in it, it's easy to gravitate and go, hey, I got I got no problem rooting for the Buffalo Bills and what they've done. They've kind of, I hate to say this, and maybe Sal will give us some. Uh, to me, they become a little bit more of an America's team. You want someone to cheer for? Cheer for these guys. They deserve it finally, and they deserve to be there. 
yeah, why can't we have nice things, right? So we, we go to uh, Buffalo and check in with uh, longtime Bills reporter uh, Sal uh, Calpaccio from WGR in Buffalo. Sal, man, this has got to be a long time coming for you. Good morning. Thanks for joining us, by the way. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Boy, I don't know. I don't know if I qualify long time anymore. I have certainly have been following this team a long time. I think this is my seventh year on the sidelines as the Radio Network sideline reporter. It's my, my tenth year covering the team professionally, but – I also grew up here, and, uh, you know, I'm 47 years old. I've been through the Super Bowl years. I've been through the drought. Uh, So it is a long time coming for this team to get back to where they were, you know, 25 years ago, now 27 years ago in the AFC Championship game for sure. Is it as simple as saying Stephon Diggs was the missing piece? Because, you know, he gets the limelight. We see that. But, boy, Sal, this is a good football team right throughout right now, isn't it? Yeah, I think personnel-wise, it is as simple to say that. The Bills truly needed a number one wide receiver. Uh, that was shown last year when their offense took a step, but they were just they couldn't really take that leap they needed to take, and they, they were missing that true number one wideout, both for them and for Josh Allen. And they got it. Stephon Diggs was truly that missing piece. But there was a lot more that goes into it, as obviously, as you can imagine. And you know, some of that is Josh Allen himself, you know, taking that leap and really um, – doing the things he needed to in the offseason to improve in certain areas, and also Brian Dable and scheming it up and putting it all together. It was a big puzzle, but you, you don't get that puzzle without getting Stefan Diggs. No, I mean, Stefan, I and mean, he's in the conversation as being one of the best receivers in, in the National Football League now. I mean, what's where is this team? Like, what's been the watershed moment for the Bills to finally become the Bills again that I think a lot of people fell in love with in the 90s, Sal? I mean, you know, and, and you know, is it Josh Allen? Is it from a coaching standpoint? Is it just everything? Is it defensively? What stands out most for you that's really kind of been the watershed for this franchise? You know, it really is just the change of complete leadership in, organ- in the organization. And look, I, I, I mean, I, I say that by recognizing here that Josh Allen has come from being a butt of jokes, basically, when he came into the NFL to an MVP candidate. Of course, you know, having a true franchise quarterback when – We've wandered through the wilderness for the better part of 20 years looking for one, longer than that. So Jim Kelly retired, really. You know, he had a little couple of years of Drew Bledsoe in there. But, you know, this organization has looked for that franchise quarterback, and he's the one that's really, you know, he, he, without him, none of this happens on offense. But I'll go back to, you know, when they hired Sean McDermott and then Brandon Bean later that offseason and the complete overhaul and change in, w- in which way the organization operated. I mean, just a year before that, guys, we had a head coach who was eating dog biscuits at the press conferences. I mean, you know, the Rex Ryan, it was, it was not a, uh, it, it was a clown show in a lot of ways. It's not the case anymore here. This is a buttoned up organization. This is a professional organization. The Bills are not making headlines for the wrong reasons. They're making headlines because they're winning football games. They're doing things right. And that really helped develop Josh Allen. You know, he went to the right spot where these people care about winning and player development and doing things right on and off the field and making you the best version of you, as Sean McDermott would say. So I think that's really where it came, comes from. Uh, concussion protocol will be the headline in both cities uh, as we get set for this matchup. Uh, you know, a lot of Leslie Fraser's defense, hey, you stop Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson, you have to stop him with his legs. It's a different beast with Patrick Mahomes. I I, I think most people expect your Bills offense will score. Will it be on the defense if they're to be successful on the weekend? Yeah, it will. Um, you know, this defense has played really well the second half of the season, um, especially, you know, they, you, you saw it. You saw it on Saturday night. You know, this is 
This is a defense that's really well coached with Sean McDermott at the head and Leslie Frazier there. They've done a great job since they've been here in Buffalo. You know, in two out of the previous three years going into this year, they were ranked in the top two or three in overall defense. Um, you know, I, I've always said, you give Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier a week, they'll come up with a really good game plan against anybody. And that's been the case. Now, it doesn't mean they're – it's always going to be perfect and you're not always going to execute and you could wind up still losing and having points scored on, you know, but they're going to put their guys in good position. They're going to have a good plan at least going in against Kansas city. Uh, the offense though, they're going to have their own challenges. Kansas city did a really nice job here in Buffalo when they played in week six, the bills were a different team back then. Uh, John Brown was not healthy. Uh, even Josh Allen was coming off a bit of a, a still dealing with a shoulder injury that he suffered in, in Vegas. But you know, so I think the Bills have their own challenges against a Kansas City defense that really made them work for everything in that game, and the Bills had a little trouble with that. But this game is going to be if, if the Bills can can get a few stops and they can get make a few big plays as they have been lately. You know, I, I think that they have a real shot. Okay, so finish this sentence because you, you've seen the good, the bad, and the downright funky with your time in Buffalo here, Sal. The Buffalo Bills will defeat the defending Super Bowl champions this Sunday if. Oh, boy. I will say if they can um, get a couple of really big plays on defense. I, I really believe that's what – that doesn't have to be a score, but it would really help to get a score. You know, I, it's one thing, you know, if they can – you're not going to hold Patrick Mahomes down the whole game. I, you're not going to hold that offense probably to less than 20 points. The Bills held them to 26 here, and the Bills had a chance. They were at a one-score game back in week six in the fourth quarter. Now, they picked their poison. They said, we're going to – we're not going to let you beat us through the air. And they really didn't. And Tyreek Hill had 20 yards. But, man, the Chiefs just ran the ball down their throat because the Bills were inviting it, 245 yards. But what the Bills lacked in that game, they didn't get a turnover. And they almost had one late in the fourth quarter, down one score, and they ruled the uh, player's knee was on the ground. It was a good call, but the Bills almost had it. They need a big play like that. They need an interception. They need a fumble recovery. They need something to happen to give them an extra score or a really good look at it on offense. Sal, it's going to be fun, and, and, you know, I think the one thing, if it's not this year, I think people in Buffalo got to get the feeling, as they will around the NFL, it's coming next. This team's not going backwards, uh, and it's about time. And you got the Sabres if it doesn't yeah. work out. Uh, well, listen, let me, on that note, I'll tell you guys, you know, it's been, it's been a challenging year with no fans, obviously. We've had fans the last couple of weeks, which has been fantastic. But, you know, people all year have been saying you know, how, how it really stinks, that this is the year they're good, and, you know, they don't have fans. And my response is exactly what you said. My response is, look, it does stink, but here's the good part. They're going to be good for a while. So we're all going to be yeah. back there, and this is a nice run. This run is just starting with this team. They're young. They're, uh, they're, they're really well set up in the front office, their coaching staff, their personnel. Uh, they, you know, they, they'll, they'll be in this thing for a while. And, um, yeah, hey, you never know. After the way the Sabres looked last night, and, uh, you know, the, most of their, their second game, even though they lost, you know, maybe, maybe we're in for another a couple of good runs here. We'll see. That remains to be seen, but we're excited about Taylor Hall and, you know, Jack Eichel together. That's for sure. Hey, you guys have won 11 of 12 for a reason. And the only thing that stopped you was a hail Mary at the end. So it's been a hell of a run so far and Sal enjoy it Sunday. Cause I think you guys got a very good shot. All right, guys. Thank you. Appreciate thank that. you. There's uh Sal Capascio, uh sideline reporter for WJR for the bills in Buffalo weighing in this morning here on Sportsnet 650 uh, and the bills and the chiefs uh, right now, Kansas city three point favorites. And we'll probably get some more clarity probably today or tomorrow with respect to Mahomes and the health, but it sounds like uh, the encouraging signs. It sounds like at this point, our, our, our sister city in sports, James, you know, you always have that sister yeah. city somewhere in the world from a business expansion, standpoint. expansion cousins, right? Well, 
always it and you know never getting that you know never getting the grand prize right never getting that opportunity certainly a lot more close from an nfl perspective than than we were from an nhl perspective but yeah you could talk about the fan base how they love it and they could never go and then finally this was the year i don't think this is the year for the bills but um yeah expansion friends in the nhl and neither side getting to the top of the mountain uh, hey, listen, it's 743 here on Sportsnet 650. Your Canucks commute coming your way at the top of the clock. Um, and Dan Murphy will join us as well. I just want to take a quick moment. And um, a few minutes ago, we had a conversation with Sonia Aslam from News 1130 and just kind of checking in on what's happening in the news world. And I just want to apologize to everybody listening that I think we were a little too cavalier, um, you know, discussing a shooting. And look, the reality is, is, you know, violence is still a very a real part of our community. Uh, we're not immune to it, just like many other parts around the world. And I think we were just a little too flippant, a little too cavalier in terms of just uh, mm-hmm. how we were in terms of dealing with it and discussing it, because there are lives uh, that are ultimately impacted, whether innocent uh, or not. And the fact is that uh, I apologize for uh, our behavior a few minutes ago and uh, we'll be better than that going forward and I know a few people are texting in uh, as well just uh, kind of making that point and uh, we certainly hear you and we are listening and we promise we will be better uh, Fair point we we talk sports and sometimes to, to weave into a news conversation uh, we lose what's important and uh, we did that in the time and uh, called out on it and, uh, and, and thank you for that and mentioning it as you try and make things light in the morning there's some teams you can't uh, and that's certainly the case. 7.44, your Canucks commute coming up at uh, the top of the clock. Dan Murphy will drop on by. Plus, uh, get those submissions in. Canucks and his songs. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. What song sums up from what you saw last night for the Canucks on the ice? We'll get into all of it. We'll hit the music. That's all still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. This one's going out to Petey this morning after uh, Petey was taking a bit of a beating on the Dunbar Lumber text line after the game last night there, Pear. Um, at, uh, just the one point into the first four games of the season, and it's certainly been a topic, talking point this morning here on the starting lineup. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line taking your submissions for Canucks and his song. And, uh, yeah, saying uh, true Canuck fans sending this one out to Petey, the Friends theme song, I'll Be There there for you uh, from the Rembrandts, um, knowing that, hey, man, we still got your back. It'll be okay. And uh, our Twitter poll question this morning, most people overwhelmingly on Team Petey saying he'll be bouncing back. Well, you know, and, and Petey yesterday, his comments were, I've got to be better. I've made mistakes. He's not happy with it. And, you know, you can see the same comments right now in Edmonton where they look at their start going, well, we're not, we're not very good either. Uh, both these teams are better. The fact is it just doesn't get easier. There are just no easy nights coming for the Vancouver Canucks. Tom is saying to that. but And you know what's not easy is when you watch a Canucks game and they play like that is to come up with Canucks in a song. But I'll be there for you in the friend song. They need it. They need everybody. This team is not going to win because of one guy anymore. There's only a couple hockey teams that can win because of one guy. And they didn't have it last night. For The scary part was that you had it for 20 minutes and everything was okay in this world. Oh, there they are. That's the team we saw in August. 
And then, man, it disappeared in a heartbeat and it disappeared because of discipline. You know, go back to 1970, the last time the Canucks played four games to start a season and didn't get a power play goal. That's their expansion team. Got to be better. Fair enough. Um, you know what? Uh, 650-650, more submissions coming in. How about how about Langley Fun Guy suggesting this one for that every parent has had this stuck in their head over the last six, seven years? It's Frozen's Let It Go. Let it go. Let it go. One and three. Move on. Still early in the season. Pair, here's what I look at right now. I look at Petey. He's got one point in four games. He's got more penalties than he has points. You got the power play that's MIA right now. 0 for 15 in the first four games. Like, what the hell? And then the penalty kill has given up seven goals with the man advantage on 21 opportunities. That's disastrous, catastrophic numbers. So with all of that, with the PK missing, Petey missing, the power play missing, I say my Canucks in a song this morning is Justin Bieber's Where Are You Now? everything where are the goals where's the penalty kill where's the power play where is it where are you now Mike and the song. well where are you now and even to let it go you can't let it go Travis Green was frustrated uh you could tell yesterday um you, you know you've got your system in place you have the players who are there the changes have not been so big to this team that you're you're trying to work through things uh it's a little bit between the ears from these guys and you know it, it's going to be difficult. My Canucks in a song? You know, it's been tough, but Jason Moran, I'm, I'm not worried. Relax, panic. I don't know if you can relax, and I don't think you can panic, but it could be a different conversation come Saturday night after the hottest team in the NHL and in the Canadian division comes in here for three. That's the problem, James. You can't look at a schedule and go, okay, so we got Montreal, but then the Kings are coming, and then we've got the Ducks coming. No, Montreal's coming. They're staying. They're comfortable in the way they're playing. Uh, you better be ready to go this week and change the tune of the start to what's going to be a very quick season. And I did it for the first time, and I couldn't believe it. Six games into the schedule last night, I go to the standings. I said, really? I'm going to the standings? But, yeah, you got to see who's going to be with you because it's going to be tough to climb over people. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Get those submissions in. What song last night sums up the Canucks' performance? It's the Canucks in a song. Get those submissions in. You can also hit us up at Sportsnet650. Uh, use the hashtag Canucks in a song. We'll take those submissions and we'll hit the music in the 8 of the co- eight o'clock hour. We've got Dan Murphy dropping by in your Canucks commute as we dive into um, a tough start for the home team as they are returning home. It's all happening. 8 o'clock hour. All sorts of Canucks conversation here on your home of the Canucks. Can I talk? Sportsnet 650. A cup of Joe and the Canuck commute. I think, obviously, we got to get more pucks and buys to the net and starting getting 
in goalies' faces and bearing down when we get our chances. Especially after the first period we had. Yeah, it was a frustrated team tonight, and they should be. They should be disappointed. A five-star morning on the starting lineup. 8 o'clock. It is your Canucks commute in this hour presentation of Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway. Go visit Nasir and the gang and get yourself hooked up. Great time. Some great deals going on at Surrey Honda, 152nd Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. I'm James Sabalski. He's Perry Sulkowski. Hour number three will be joined by Dan Murphy in just a few moments as the Canucks drop their third straight and uh, finally return home pair, and I think a lot of people wondering, uh, myself included, what's wrong with Petey right now? Four games in, just one single apple to show for. In fact, he's got more penalty minutes than he does points so far this season. Well, it's 40 minutes of hockey that changed it. They come back from this road trip one of four. They look very good in that first game in Edmonton, and then you realize, okay, this is going to be the different world we live in. If you, live, if you lose that first game in a short set, two-game series in the Edmonton case, there was more desperation that the, the Canucks mentioned in game two. Hey, they wanted it more, and the Oilers needed it. Then you go to Calgary with the clean slate, and it's okay. Here you get to see Jacob Markstrom. He was very good. Team wasn't great. You lose that. So what do you get on Monday night? Well, James, for the first 20 minutes, you saw a Canucks team that said, oh, there we go. We're back again, just like game one, just like they were in the summertime. And they dominate that period and could have left that period up three or four goals. So I take that as they're okay. It's just then mentally the discipline and the special teams couldn't kill a penalty, couldn't score on a power play. Um, that fell apart for 40 minutes. And you heard Travis Green. Hey, they're disappointed. They're frustrated. And they should be. Yeah, you should be. You've got four hockey games. You played one good one and one decent period and nothing's happened. And in part, and when that's the case, if you don't have your superstar carrying through the tough times, you're going to look at numbers that don't look good. So they jumped on that plane last night. They arrived, get set to play their first home game tomorrow. And they better be better because the Montreal Canadiens are having no lack of confidence right now. Won't pin it on Petey. I'll pin it on everybody not being set to go and maybe a preseason that they needed more than we thought they did. Well, I mean, this team seems to go as their star players take them. And we're just, not getting, and we're just not getting enough from them right now, right? I mean... Petey had the one assist on opening night in that victory. And, and I just, I mean, here's the thing. You don't often see elite players go through stretches where they're this unnoticeable, right? I mean, it, it's kind of uncharacteristic of what we've seen of Petey. He hit the rookie wall his rookie season, probably the last quarter of his rookie campaign pair. Um, kind of set him off a little bit. But we're kind of used to quick starts for Petey, right? Like, you look at the numbers he put up his rookie season, you know, that first month of the season, he exploded out of the gate. You know, you look at the month of October, the year prior, just last year, and, you know, exploded out of the gate. Maybe the first two or three games, you were, okay, maybe, and then boom, you know, he exploded, and within no time, the points started pouring in. But right now, it's just one assist, but he doesn't look as engaged, right? The shot's not there on the man advantage. That's obviously noticeable because they're 0 for 15, but it's the bad penalties that we saw last night. Like, frustration. It was uncharacteristic of Petey for a guy who never seems to lack confidence. This might be between the ears right now. Oh, I think it is. And I, and I would challenge you on the word engaged. I think every time he hops over the boards, he is doing everything he can to put a puck in the net and to make sure it doesn't go in his. He came flying back yesterday and blocked a shot, sprawled out. And I thought, you know, I guess you've got to do that. That's not what they have him for. But he's doing everything he can. It's not working, but, it, James, 
every time you line up. And I think it's easier when you play a team back-to-back. All right, stop the Canucks. Let's stop number 40. What's the best way? Let's get physical on them. Let's stop this lotto line. After that, we're unsure. We're still unsure whether that second line's a line that's going to score. I mean, it's great that JT Miller is back, but it kind of have changed the focus to who's that other guy in that top six role? Tyler Toffoli's gone. Who's going to score? Who's going to complete Bo Horvat on that line? Okay, yeah, it's Hoaglander. Well, you know, he's a rookie. How much can we expect from Hoaglander to continue to, to be effective? I thought he was good again last night, but good and scoring are two different beasts. So, you know, Petey's going to find the struggles because everyone's expecting him to lead the way. So the other team is leading the way. Going, he's the guy we got to shut down. So now his challenge will be, how do I get through all these guys shutting us down? I need some help. We need to score some goals. And then it opens it up for everybody else. So, hey, I'm going to throw the whole team on the bus here. They've all got to be better. And when you're the best player in the team, you're at the front of that line. I just think that if you're looking at a guy who might be a 9 to $10 million a year player, I think you just expect more over a four-game sample size, and we just haven't seen it. Now, before we get – we're going to get to Dan Murphy here in just a quick moment, but I, I do want to play two sound bites here quickly for, for the audience. And here's Elias Pettersson um, post-game last night. And, and the one thing I, I, I appreciate here from PD is the fact he owned it, right, and just how – uh, dejected he looked in the penalty box after taking another needless penalty. And here's what he had to say in terms of where he's at right now. I was just disappointing myself for being selfish, uh, letting my frustra- frustration take another dumb penalty. So um, it's not going to happen again. Emotions got the best of him. I mean, I think we saw emotions get the best of him, uh, what, in playing that video game <laughs> a few weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. He was on Twitch and he's like, suck it, and then, you know, kind of caught himself realizing, oh, I'm, I'm streaming right now. Uh, here's Travis Green uh, before we get to Murph on where Petey's at right now, and Travis Green suggesting that maybe uh, number 40 is just squeezing the stick a little too tightly. It does play on your mind a little bit, and um... – you know, even for example, when I come in here, I've been asked about it every game. So I'm sure it's on his mind. He's a young player still. Uh, hasn't had, you know, the start he wants. And uh, well, that's all right. He's going he's, he's a great young player. He'll, he'll get through it. So there's Travis Green. Dan Murphy who joins us here now. Murph, good morning. You've been pretty much around this uh, team. You've, pretty, you've been there for every single one of PD's games. Um what what's different, or if anything, that you notice maybe through these first four for uh, Elias Pettersson? Oh, oh man, tough to say. Um, I mean, clearly he he looks frustrated, and I think the one thing you can say about him is that uh, there's there's no denying that he wants it, right? And sometimes when it's not going your way and you want it, you press, and when you press, you do things that aren't going to help the team, and perhaps you've seen that a little bit. Uh, through four games. Now, sometimes you might say it's just four games, but uh, you know this isn't a regular season. I mean, in two games, they've played more than 10% of their season already. It's a condensed schedule, and add the fact that it's always a divisional game. So any game you're not picking up points and losing points, you're losing ground to someone in your division, and only the top four teams make the playoffs. So I, I think all these things, plus, um, you know, this was the first kind of season uh, that there were real expectations on this team, right? They're not playing with house money or free money. People expected them uh, to kind of take a step forward after what they saw last season in the bubble. So I think all those things are perhaps weighing a little heavy. Uh, add to the fact the power play, which is one of his main way to get points, is over 15. 
Um, and I just think the frustration has set in a little bit. But uh, like I said, the, the one thing is that, you know, he wants it. You know, he's going to try to work through it. And I think that answer that you just played was telling, uh, saying, you know, it, it won't happen again. And, and I have to believe when he says it, I kind of believe it. He's not going to be selfish and take another dumb penalty. Um, and that was one of those that, hey, maybe he didn't get the stick up in Monaghan's face, but the ref was behind, couldn't see it. And again, you put the ref in a position to make, to make the call. And next thing you know, in the box and another power play goal uh, is scored against you. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's just one factor. I think there's a few things and it's probably just weighing on his mind a little bit. It's the first time he's had to deal with the tumor, right? I mean, you've been traveling with him the whole time. This kid has never had, um, you know, he's always had great expectations for themselves. Mm-hmm. We've kind of grew into it as a city and now as a league going, no, he's legitimate superstar. But I also don't think we can undersell the fact that this hockey team around the NHL and this Canadian division now has expectations on their shoulders, not even just in the room, but right across the country that you're supposed to be this good. Your window is now open. And I think that can be unsettling for a team. Yeah, it can be. But again, I mean, I don't get the sense that this is a group. And when you talk about the, the leadership group and maybe the main guys like Pedersen, Hughes, uh, you know, Besser, Miller, um, Pedersen, uh, I don't get the sense that these guys are shrinking violets, that when the expectations no. are high, they're going to go away. I think they are very competitive. I think they can play with a chip on their shoulder. I just think that the confidence uh, right now through a few games is not there. And, you know, there's more pressure because really, um, you know, you, you can't count on the bottom six at this point to help you out offensively. So they know that if they're not going that top line and then Horvat and his line, they know if they're not going, the chances are that they're not going to win the hockey game, you know. And and then you add the fact that if the power play is not going, you know, that's how this team scored all those goals last year. It was the lotto line, it was a little bit of the Horvat line, and it was the power play. And so far, aside from that first game, you know, none of those things are really are really rolling, and that just adds to the pressure. So, um, you know, I I think there's a want whether or not they can turn it around quickly enough because it's not a long season and you can't get behind the eight ball and there's no help coming at this point. Um, you have to make sure you can get it done within the room. And, uh, you know, I do believe they'll work at it, but uh, you hope that, that they can get on some sort of run to turn it around. Because, I mean, we saw the first period last night. It was outstanding. It was everything you wanted. On their toes, yeah. on the puck, winning puck battles, first to pucks, scoring chances. Problem is they didn't convert enough. And next thing you know, they're up one nothing. Flames flip it around in the second, and they take advantage of their dominant period of the game. So um, I think it's there, uh, but, you know, really it comes down to those guys have to score, the power play has to score, and the penalty kill. And, well, first off, you can't take as many penalties. What are they having yeah. more than five penalties a game so far? Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, and then the penalty kill, when it's out there, has to be better. So it's not just one thing, but I think when you look at a team, you look to the stars of the team to help turn it around. And so that's why we're talking about Patterson at this point. Sportsnet's Dan Murphy with us here on uh, Sportsnet 650 as uh, we kind of dive into the Canucks' latest setback last night. What, when you when you look at the man advantage, like where, where do you where do you go from here? Well, I mean, I, I liked what I saw in that first one uh, last night. There was movement. Uh, they were whipping the puck around. Uh, Patterson was faking the one time and trying to go back door to Besser that almost converted one time. I thought that. Uh, the very first one, too, you saw the little pass into the middle for 
uh, from Miller to Besser or to uh, Horvat for the one timer, which is where he scored a lot last year. So I think that was there. I mean, I, th- I think you saw the makings of what made the power play good. It didn't convert. The, the, the troublesome one was the one in the second period after they killed off the Flames early power play to get that, and it was discombobulated again. Yeah. And I, I and I have a feeling that's kind of like how it was at the end of the game when they had the, the extra skater out there. That's where you can see that there's a little bit of tension, a little bit of pressure. They know they need to convert on some of these, and, and they haven't. So I would just say that, like Travis said about Pedersen, um, I think there's a few guys squeezing the sticks, uh, a few guys that know they're the money man and the guys that have to score. And that's what I kind of saw in that second one. It wasn't nearly as cohesive. Um, it wasn't nearly as quick or as dangerous, and there wasn't enough movement. Um, but I, I, I will say if there was a positive last night in the power play, it was the first one we saw because that's where you saw what made it so dangerous last year. And I'll be honest. I mean, we're going to try and look at, at positives. I actually like that second unit Tau now, and mm-hmm. as Hoaglander fits, that's a, that's a nice change. They didn't get as much time, but when they had it, they had some possession in the Calgary zone. You thought, you know what, I don't mind how this is set up. Uh, with what they have there. I guess the thing is, Murph, as you get set for three against Montreal, which there's no off nights, um, Travis Green has to be comfortable. Do you think we see bodies moving in and out of this lineup? Because I think finally last night was the first time he had the lineup he wanted. Yeah. Does he tinker at all? Well, I mean, but but with what? Okay, like what? Well, what, maybe what, Olivia on a blue line, and you put another young body yeah, in. And see. Yeah, or and then the other ones you say like, I mean, the only other things you say like, would daily help? Uh, could you move uh, McEwen in uh, for Sutter? Because I mean, the penalty kill hasn't been good. Um, you know, do you know? God forbid, are we back to putting Erickson in just for the people? Don't, don't go there. Don't go there. Well, because Roussel hasn't looked great on the penalty kill either. So. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, but these these don't seem to be to be huge moves. So he can only tinker, um, kind of on the outskirts. But the meat of the lineup is there. I mean, the guys that he really wants are healthy and, and playing. So um, you know, I guess you could make little moves. Maybe you you could pull out your levy for a game. Uh, but really, it, you know, you don't look to him on the PK. I think Hamnick's been on the ice for the last five power play goals. Uh, I think him and Edler have been on for six of the last seven. So these are veteran guys that have done the penalty kill forever. Um, you know, Beagle's not winning his face-offs on the PK. He is at five and five, but you know, I think it hasn't been great on the penalty kill. So uh, these are your experienced penalty killers that that aren't getting it done at this point. So I don't know if those peripheral moves are really going to, you know, really going to move the needle. Uh, the Olevi uh, experiment. Um... You know, I think a lot of people want to root for the guy and kind of quietly had a just a, a quiet, solid camp. But what's the point in playing a defenseman eight minutes a night, Murph? I mean, Travis kind of alluded the other night that uh, he might try to find a way to get Rathbone in. But, I mean, if you're playing somebody under eight minutes a night on the back end, is that not pretty telling to say, okay, let's go somewhere else here? Yeah, and it's also telling of a coach that's trying to win a hockey game to do anything, you know, to tax his top players, to shorten the bench, to uh, give his, uh, the best players the opportunity to win a game. You know, if the if Canucks are up two goals, uh, you know, in a game in the third period, you're going to see Levy probably finish with 10 or 11 minutes in a game, right? I think it's just a, a product of shortening the bench. I mean, Quinn Hughes was up, I don't know, he finished the last night, 26 minutes of the game before. So I think it's more just a product of where they are. But, I mean, if, if um, you know, if Jordy Ben comes in, or when he's healthy, or or Rathbone. I mean, how much more are they going to play? Seriously, I I still think yeah. it's kind of the, the, the same 
situation unless this team is is leading a game and, and gives uh, you know Travis Green the opportunity to, to spread out the minutes a little bit more. Um, and let's be honest, I mean, uh, as this season goes on, so condensed. There's you know, what they got three games in the next four nights starting tomorrow. Um, you know, we know what happens when Alex Edler plays too many minutes. Um, so uh, it's a you know it's kind of everything's snowballing at once. But I really think that you know Ulevi has been fine. Uh, for really its first uh, four NHL games. He played six minutes in the bubble, but these are his first four NHL uh, regular season games. He's been okay, um, but I, I think it's mostly a product of Green shortening the bench to, to try to win a hockey game. Yeah, I think that's going to change. You, you know, you, you, you can't go on a slide. Uh, as much as Jacob Markstrom enjoyed the last two hockey games, you can't pin anything on the goaltending on this trip, can you, Murph? You think they stay with the back and forth and and continue that way, or or if someone gets a win against the Habs, you go let's let's see if we can roll with it, or will they stay the course till the end of January at least? Well, I mean, I think they have to stay the course for the next two, right? You you travel today, and then you have back to back, and then you have a four o'clock Saturday, right? Um, so I think you kind of have to stay the course for the next three games. But then you can make a choice uh, because the games are not back to backs against Ottawa. I think it's is it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Saturday? I gotta take a look. But I, there's no back-to-backs in that with, with the Senators. So you could, at that point, if you feel one guy is a step ahead of the other guy, uh, play him a couple games. But I think for the next three, I, I, I do believe we'll see the back and forth. Well, it's uh, it hasn't been pretty. Uh, it's four games, so I guess in one breath, um, you, you just want to say don't panic. But at the same time, like there's just it's amazing how four games in. Murph, I mean, the one thing is, is there's so many different areas to nitpick about this team right now, right? Like there's yep. a lot of, I mean, the, the encouraging thing is there's a lot of room for improvement. And the one area that I think that hasn't been an issue, at least me personally speaking, was one of the biggest question marks going into the year was goaltending. I thought that, yeah. I mean, I thought Demko was really good until he just he, he ran out of help. Like, you know, that second period, you got a tidal wave of shots with 20 shots in the period. Yeah. But I think Demko's been solid. He just has got zero help in front of him. And I think Braden Holpe's been fine through the first couple of games as well. I, I know I would agree with that. But, James, I think we said that, um, you know, if going in, if you got competent goaltending, you'd be, you'd be pretty happy. If you had good goaltending, you'd be happy. Yeah. But what was Jacob Markstrom able to do the last couple of seasons? Win games they probably shouldn't have won. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. Stole some games. Yeah. And, um, and, yes, I agree. The goaltending's been, been just fine. I mean, I it's don't fault them yeah. on a ton of goals. But, um, you know, Markstrom was able to maybe one of, win one of those three games last season. So that's it. They haven't been able to steal one yet. And um, so, yes, I, I'm totally agreeing with you on that one. But, again, this is something. You gave up the goaltender that won you those games because you couldn't afford them. And now you've got to have a goaltender steal one for you. But I'm, I'm not laying. There's a lot of blame to lay around, but none of it for me is going on Holby or Demko at this point. Yeah. No, I would throw I would throw it on the special teams a lot quicker than I'd throw it anywhere else because even oh, if you're sure. not great five on five, if you've got that kind of talent, you could win a lot of hockey games if you're scoring on the power play and they would have got a couple you know, a couple more. That being said, guys, you know what a great first period, Murph, and I think that's what everyone and I think Travis Green will point out, guys, you showed us twenty minutes in Calgary, get back to that. And they'll have to because this is a completely different story Saturday night. If even if the Habs get two out of three, that's that's not good that much for the Canucks because your point. Everything's four points now. Yeah, you got you have to win the next two series, right? You got to take two yep. or three from Montreal and two or three from Ottawa. I mean, that's how you start climbing your way back. 
But the most important thing in terms of adjustments was how about that Sportsnet broadcast? Adjusting <laughs> from the first road one to the second road one with no delay. I, I, you know what? Together. I thought Rudy and Rick Ball were yeah. great last night. <laughs> I didn't hear that part. But that, <laughs> no one's good with that. The first two minutes, yes. I'm guessing somebody fell asleep at the switch in Toronto, but I didn't even know about that until after the game. As long as it doesn't affect my airtime, guys, why would I care? Yeah, Honestly. I, you know, yeah. I, you know, I just realized that watching you uh, last night with that Norland Unlimited commercial, uh, it's like, are you related to Jared Kiso from Letterkenny? <laughs> I don't watch the show, so I, I wish. Oh, but I got to shoot, yeah. got to shoot some new ones. Today. Is that is that the main character, Seaball? I think so. Yeah. Oh, the guy. With yeah, the well, he's got the, he's got the yeah, same. Yeah, the guy style. with the plaid shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's tougher than me. I did see one episode, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You got me beat. Uh, hey, listen, stay safe out there, and uh, we'll see you at the rink this week, okay? All right, boys. Take care. Take care. Thanks, Murph. Uh, there he is, Dan Murphy, uh, with some good perspective on where things are at with the Vancouver Canucks uh, uh, right now as they head back. Uh, home cooking is on its way, and uh, tomorrow it's the Montreal Canadiens against uh, arguably uh, the best goaltender in the world in the eyes of a lot of people, Carey Price, uh, and they'll probably get a double dose of Carey Price in that three-game stretch, right? My guess is that you'll see Price tomorrow, and you'll see him Saturday. You get Jake Allen in all likelihood on the the Thursday, if, if I could try to handicap how things will look for the schedule. But, man, it's a tall order against a Montreal team that's looking good. But maybe home cooking turns things around for a team that has has sputtered at all ends of the ice, defensively, penalties, special teams, you know, and, and the stars haven't been shining. Yeah, and they were a game away from being 500 on the first four. Um, so take the fact that they haven't played very well. They'd be the first to admit it. And, you know, they weren't blowing out of any hockey games. Uh, they just couldn't put the puck in the net in the first period, or they might have been in complete control with that one. So it's a little bit of a test for them early on. And I, I, I like the messaging from everybody yesterday. Travis Green is, yeah, they should be frustrated on how they're playing. And I will talk to Petey, and he apologizes and said it's never happening again. Tyler Myers says, I don't know what happened to us, and I'm a big part of that too with the bad penalty that he took. So, um, the belief in this team hasn't gone anywhere. I do think maybe, you know, mentioned, you know, Jay Beagle hasn't been good in the face-off circle. Sutter's been slow. We always expected the veteran players would be the one guys who missed some exhibition games just to get into their routine and the energy of the kids would carry them. That's what's been missing. But the veteran players haven't been that good either. So uh, hopefully they play their first home game since March when they when they light it up tomorrow. Uh, that they'll get better, and in a week's time, they get into the middle. Winning, the, no one needs to win the division. Y- you look at fourth and go get me into the postseason, and I think that's where this hockey team is. Uh, and crazy enough, six days in, you look at the standings and go, hey, uh, better get things turned around. But, James, the one thing we know about hockey, everyone in this division will have a slide at some point. Canucks are just having theirs, hopefully, coming out of the gate. Well, and, and you know what? Again, like I think with the parity in this division, it's very easy to lose three, win three, win one, lose one, win two, lose two. I, I mean, just the way that – look, it was a sucker's bet. We talked about this a week ago, trying to predict – you know, who's going to finish on top in the all-Canadian division, the Gord Downey division, if you will. And look, right now the Canucks are in last. They're, they're tied with the Oilers and the Jets, um, you know, and the Senators for, you know, each with two points. Now, the Senators and the, uh, sort of the Canucks and the Oilers each have played four games. But, you know, it's it's still early. 
But there are some uh, concerns and there are some trends that need to change and before you dig too deep a hole. And I think it goes back to what you alluded to with special teams. Um, and you know what, man? You want to start seeing your big guns going. You know, Brock had a big night, opening night, and we thought, oh, the shot's back. And, you know, we haven't seen that since. Like, a, you know, perfect example. Look at that 2-on-0 with Brock and <laughs> with Brock and Petey yesterday. When would you yeah. ever have, in the two years prior, when would you have ever seen those two guys whiff the way they did last night on a 2-on-0 break? Right? Well, and the only thing I think there is, does Brock know that Petey's feeling it? So rather than take the shot when he should be feeling confident with this shot, uh, he makes the play go, this will be a nice little tap-in for Petey. He'll get his confidence, then we'll be on a roll. We had two 2 on because the Flames had one, and both times they passed. Uh-huh. So maybe everyone's just trying to get everyone together and going, hey, I'll give you a hand. We'll get this going as a team. It's not happened, but it, people may be thinking, oh, come on, guys, yeah. relax. They're not even a week in. Well, the first ever Hockey Night in Canada Saturday night game was almost like a must-win for the Toronto Maple Leafs because they had lost the night before to Ottawa. In Edmonton right now, they're talking about juggling all the lines because, A, they don't have any goaltending anymore, and they've only won one game. They're in a panic mode. Winnipeg outshot 19-1 at one point against the Leafs, and they're just going, okay, how are we figuring this out? I mean, welcome to Canada. Welcome to the Gord Downey Division. Every city will have their panic moments. Right now, Montreal and Calgary are the only ones that are feeling kind of comfortable about it. And Ottawa, anytime they get a win and play well, yeah, that was a bonus right there, so... Man, this is going to be epidemic that's going right across every Canadian city that hosts an NHL team because it's just not going to be that easy to get on a run. All right, 26 minutes after 8 o'clock, we'll continue the conversation. Uh, a lot of submissions coming in for, on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 per Canucks and a song. We'll hit the music. We'll hear from Big Bird as well. It's all happening. 8 o'clock, hour, all Canucks, all the time, right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Keyball, man, why so angry and controversial? Everyone's got to freaking relax a little bit. Relax. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, there's uh, Big Bird. We'll get into uh, Big Bird uh, using the R word, relax. Angie also on the Dunbar Lumber text line uh, also uh, suggesting relax um, as well. So, and uh, Port Moody, so. There you go. People, uh, there's there's some people that are just saying Hakuna Matata pair, and then there are others that are saying, uh, let's get going here, guys. And I kind of lean towards the uh, let's get going before you dig yourself too deep a hole because, uh, you know, parity in this division, right? Uh, anybody can beat anybody any given night, but it's really hard when you're playing those proverbial four-point games each night. That's the thing, I, and I understand you're four games in and they haven't even played at home, but you can't lose any ground. And, and hey, winning one of four is okay if you pull it off uh, three or four times during this 56-game 50, schedule. But at the same time, you're going to have to win three out of four. And I don't know how easy that's going to be if you're playing, uh, you, you know, you got Montreal coming and then Calgary coming. And, you, you know, the back-to-backs are difficult enough with the teams you have but the next opponent coming in around the corner is not going to make it any easier. So I think that's why we're a little bit more uh, vigilant with the, you know, you can't be in a slump very long because of how difficult it will be to get the points. You're not looking at a, you know, the high eighties, uh, well, from a point production and a winning percentage, that's going to get you into the playoffs. It'll be a lot lower because the games are going to be so competitive, but 
Big Bert always with advice and, and relaxes one of them. It's just not that easy to do for a lot of people. Hey, real quick before we get to Bert here, um, Merv kind of suggested that one name that probably had a lot of people cringing, but based on where the penalty kill is right now, would you consider putting Louie in the lineup? Yeah, I would, and simply because of that, I think always we think Louie, and you're thinking top six, and Louie for Hoaglander, I wouldn't make that move. I like the young kid. I think there's untapped potential there. But honestly, Roussel, who hasn't done much, I don't know if I'd go with Sutter. But, yeah, when your penalty kill is that bad, and if Louie's going to come and give you seven or eight minutes, but three or four of them are on the PK, I wouldn't be bothered by that move. You know, Gaudette, Gaudette looked great that opening period, but he finishes a minus two, had a bad giveaway that leads to a goal as well. He's left to playing just 10 minutes. Um, you know, you could possibly sit him and maybe put Sutter back in the middle for a night. But if you try to stabilize a penalty-killing unit that has been just absolutely, you know, not just leaking but hemorrhaging goals, um, you know, it is it is something there. And the old cat came back, could possibly be visible sometime this week against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, here's what Todd Bertuzzi had to say this morning when it came to uh, the franchise. Elias Pettersson, just the one point so far through four games. Uh, and for those a little concerned, Big Bert telling everybody to just chill. I've gone through stretches, like stretches that were pretty uh, bleak, but in the same time, my body's built differently. I would try to go out there and run guys over or try to get in a fight, try to engage myself to get something going. And then I'd spend a lot of time in practice working uh, on getting my confidence. When your confidence is high, man, you're the world beater. When it's low, I don't care if you're a professional athlete. When it gets in your head, um, it takes a little bit to get out of. And, uh, and you can't tell me not every single athlete has ever gone through a stretch where they've gone four, five, six, seven games uh not being at their best but but he still works he still does a lot of the intangibles in order to be a leader on that team and uh and and to deserve his ice time uh it's just not going in the net or the puck's not going in the net from other guys sticks but uh, i i i what, what is it what do i write down here give me one second uh 13 goals against in three games with four goals scored that's not going to get the job done we can't score four goals in three games and give up 13. I did notice a lot of turnovers in the neutral zone, a lot of defensive turnovers in our own zone uh, that, have ca that caused uh, a lot of offensive chances. And uh, you got to get take your hat off to Goudreau, Monaghan, Pachuk, and Lindholm. Uh, I thought they played fantastic. They looked like the Russian five out there. They were uh, <laughs> holding on the post, making plays. It was not only on the power play, even five on five. They seemed to have their way. So that team and that line, is playing with a ginormous amount of confidence, and so is the goaltender. Flames are the real deal. They're they're showing what they're really made of with their depth right now. Yeah, no, they they certainly have, and and they just every turnover that the Canucks seem to have last night seem to wind up in the back of the net. You know, bad clearing attempt by Hamannick, bad turnover by Goddett, and they both result in goals. So tell me this, man. It's all it, it, yeah, yeah. It's all stuff that can get fixed, eh? It's all yeah. stuff that can fix. That's no, why totally. It's, it's just it's, it's we're so early into the COVID season at a 58 game shotgun start playing in the hardest division so we got to have a little bit so, if, if this is like if this is the same results after game 10 to game 15 then, then then there's a button that needs to be pressed okay so to that point i was just gonna say because you've been that guy who's been 
you know, the dominant player or a, a guy who's been looked at to provide offense for this franchise in this market. And then there's times yeah. where, hey, people are probably we, – we've asked you in the past, hey, man, what's, it's not clicking right now. What's going on? At what point do you get concerned then? As an observer, at what point do you say, all right, for this team it's not clicking because the power play stinks right now, the penalty kill's not going right now, PD's not going right now. At what point or how long do you say stay calm until you don't stay calm? Well, you, you know what it is? I said the old, the old Kenny Holland way is you don't know what you got until you get to thanks, American Thanksgiving. That's when you know where you are, where the panic button needs to be pushed and things need to be done. So you basically have to take uh, – you, you almost get a month leeway to see where it's at. I think, what, how many games are they playing this month? Is it Do you 10? have my, th- that much time, though? Yeah, right? like they just played yeah, four in less than problem. a week. That, 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 that's why I'm saying that, that it's, it's, you've got to take – you've got to do the calculation from – from the regular season to when Thanksgiving is and then put in the COVID season and all that, you're basically at, if after 10 games, your record is two and eight, well, then you're in big time trouble in that division. Like you ain't getting out of it. You have to be, I honestly believe two games above 500 to stay competitive in that division. Yeah. Which means you got a Montreal team rolling in and all these little mini series, which I think are great. You lose the first one. You you know, you have to bounce back. Bert, when did you notice, like you said, when you would get into a funk, you could go hit people and, and get yourself engaged. Was there a time when you noticed things were different? And I speak of teams game planning against you because uh, the days of PD not being the focus of the opposition are long gone. Um, and I think that's part of the issue now, too. They now know him. How do they play him? They'll play him 10 times in yeah. some cases. How does he adjust to that? Yeah, uh, good, good point. Um, because I played against, uh, uh, we played against our line, a lot of the big heavy lifters, uh, the third line. And in order to get through that, you have to do, we did a lot of video, but it, it, it's your will to succeed, man. Like, I wasn't going to let what I considered, <laughs> I'm not, it, I don't what I considered a plumb line that's going to come out and just check me, not worry about offense. You're just going to check that kind of plumb line. I'm not going to let them dictate on what I play. So I never allowed the opposition to dictate my play. I forced the issue and I forced it with physical uh, vengeance, which is dumping in, finishing my checks. You guys are going to, you guys are going to check me. It's going to be the longest night that you're going to have. And, uh, but there were times where I actually felt that I had a right-handed stick. That's how low the confidence gets. Sometimes you don't see the holes. You can't beat a guy one-on-one. You feel sluggish. Your legs aren't there. But uh, it, it's for me. I, I, I've been through it. I remember going through some practice. I'm like, man, I feel like I'm, I'm Space Jam, man. Like someone touched me and sucked all my talent out, and it just disappears. And all of a sudden, boom, clicks. Got a goal. Got an assist, or, or did a good play that created something. Not necessarily get a point, and then just catapulted me back to where my confidence was. But there was a period of time for, I will say, for three years, where I didn't have one slump and I didn't have one. Uh, time where I did not feel that I was the best player and I didn't lack uh, confidence uh, in my game. Uh, and, and that's not, that's not three years is pretty good. That's pretty good, man, to feel th- for three years to feel dominant, not having an off day, not feeling like crap, getting the job done every single night, being so consistent. That's what prides athletes is how long of a stretch can you be consistent at a high level for and I feel I did a really good job at that for three years. But then that's just 
that gets you a couple all-star games and, and no cup. It's Sidney Crosby has stretched this out through his entire career. Ovechkin, uh, McDavid, McKinnon, uh, then the greats, Joe Sackick, Steve Eiserman. To be able to play at that high of a level that long of a time, that's what catapults you into a uh, superstar, not just a star. What do you do to fix the power play? Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, I believe in sometimes changing it up, different looks. I know Miller just got back, eh, also? Yeah. And he's yep. a key component on that power play. So we got to be a little bit uh, – um, give him some time in order to work in with the units. But sometimes simple is better. Um, getting into the zone – uh, I'm a huge believer in puck retrieval, man. You have to have active guys. I've always hated a power play that was stagnant. You're standing still and you're easy to check. I want activity. I want puck movement. I want them to look like what Calgary looked like on the power play, which I thought looked unbelievable. Their puck movement, they were buzzing every which way. If a shot, rebound, they had two guys on the puck. Their puck retrieval was amazing. Look at stuff like that, man. Sometimes looking at other people's stuff on how they work and how they do can help you all. Uh, also out in the slump. There's Todd Bertuzzi this morning here on Sportsnet 650 on trying yeah. to remedy the power play and Pedersen. And, yeah, I mean, Bert's seen it from being a guy that was looked at to provide offense. And, you know, <laughs> Barry, he certainly, uh, he certainly went through stretches. Yeah, and, and it's, it's going to be the case. I mean, no matter where you are, to be a pro player in the NHL, you have to be consistent. And if that's your third liner and you're chipping in with the odd goals and you're hitting some people on a regular basis, that's consistency to your game. When it comes to Pedersen, you have to be consistent by putting points up, getting something on the power play, being effective. He made a nice defensive play yesterday, but that's not what they have him for. So I think you battle to find that consistency. As he said, when he started naming all the stars, they're superstars because they're doing it all the time. Bert says, yeah, you get do it for three or four years. That gets you some all-star appearances, but it's not going to get you to the level that you want. So Pat Pedersen not putting any numbers up on the scoreboard, but he did have some numbers that, you know, I, I think this morning even he'll wake up and go, really? That's the kind of game I played, James? Because he was just fined almost four grand by NHL player safety for that slash. That's the uh, maximum allowable under the uh, collective bargaining agreement for taking out uh, Sean Monaghan with the slash last night. So, Petey, not only is he struggling to produce points, he's now almost $4,000 lighter in his bank account as a result of his performance last night. Our pets' heads are falling off here. Uh, all right, 845. We'll tell you what's coming up on Scott Ritual's show coming up in a matter of moments. Looks like an NHL game has been postponed tonight on the schedule as well. We'll try to pick you a winner. All that is happening, and we'll even try to hit some songs with your Canucks and songs next, right here on Sportsnet 650. I'm going up the this is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. David Denaimo took his submission on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 with Crazy Train for the uh, Canucks in a song submission. Uh, not bad. A reminder that this hour of the starting lineup presentation of Surrey Honda. Check out Nasir and the gang located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. 
And, uh, Pear, um, yeah, it's been a funky start for the Vancouver Canucks after a night that, man, five even-strength goals to open up the season in the win over the Oilers, and it's been all downhill since. Yeah, and, you know, we'll try and get to one or two more of these Canucks in a song. Maybe what they have to do, if this is the only one we get in, Doug from Port Moody saying, you know what, go complete Taylor Swift. Hey, if that's the start. You're coming home. Shake it off. Cause the players gonna play, 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 play. New West, New West Nick thought, uh, hey, Motley Crue's classic, S-O-S, same old situation. It's the same old, same old situation. It's the same old, same old ball and chain. Too many penalties. Not enough capitalizing on the man advantage and uh, another good submission as the Canucks uh, finally close out that four-game road trip uh, and will now open up at home against the Montreal Canadiens. A little ditty requested for coming home. Maybe a little home cooking will help this team going forward as they get set to get back on the ice uh, for the first time this season at Rogers Arena against Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow. They play three. Breaking news in the NHL right now. And, James, you wondered when it was going to start and how they control it. But Carolina Panthers were supposed to be playing Nashville. There's been a COVID scare with the Carolina, so the Hurricanes. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes won't play Nashville today. And then what you do is you look ahead. So what is Nashville like? For Carolina, they go home on a Thursday. They're supposed to take on Florida they're supposed to take Florida on again on Saturday. You kind of look from the schedule, okay, if this pushes everything back, they could go back-to-back on those nights. But this is where being the NHL schedule maker is going to be difficult. We talk about what's gone on with the Canucks. I mean, the Stars haven't played yet. There's just so many things that they're going to have to juggle. And now concerned with Carolina, that game against Nashville canceled, and you know they'll be testing everybody on the Predators. Uh, but so it begins. Let's just hope. Uh, they have everything in place, and it's only a player or two, and they juggle it like we saw the Canucks doing with J.T. Miller. But the first game officially canceled this morning, Carolina Nashville not playing tonight. Scott Rintoul Show coming your way at the top of the clock. Kelly Rudy dropping by along with Carolyn Frolic and Mike McKenna uh, from a Vegas School Tonight's analyst as well. That's all ready to go at 9 o'clock this morning. We're back at it. Same bat time, same bat channel on Wednesday. Joe Bocop will drop on by as it's another Canucks game day as they try to shake the three-game losing skid and battle the Montreal Canadiens. We'll talk to you then right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.